Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi, what's up? Welcome to another issue. Oh, God nice. damn it. I did it again. Another episode of Serious Issues, Serious Episodes, a comic book podcast uh, recorded live every single week in the very exotic King's Comics back room. My name's Andrew Levins and my co-host is Siobhan Coombs. Hello. And uh, for the first time in Serious Issues history, Siobhan is sick and I am not. I'm sorry, guys, if I sound disgusting. I'm very sick. Well, I think my record is like... Uh, 700 coughs in one episode. Yeah. So you can try <laughs> that and That was impressive. It. <laughs> um, so we got a massive show for you today. If this is your first episode listening, what we do is we read all the books that came out last week, let you know which are the ones that uh, you should be reading too. Uh, all the books were very generously donated to us by the good folks at King's Comics. And should you ever want to buy some of these books, uh, they are all available at King's Comics in Sydney, which is 300 and- 310 Pitt Street. Mm-hmm. Um, also available online at kingscomics.com. Siobhan's sole role of this podcast is to remember the address of King's Comics. And it took me almost 10 years of working here to be able to get it down. Everything's online at kingscomics.com as well. So usually we would begin each show by reviewing all the new number ones that came out last week. And let me tell you, there were a lot of them. 17, in fact. It was a big week of uh, Oh, of, God, of I definitely didn't read all of them. Um, that's another Sorry. reoccurring theme in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought we could change things up this week. So before we do the first issues, the, the Marvel reviews, the DC reviews, the image reviews, and other publishers later in the episode, we're going to kick things off with a new segment called Last Things First. Nice. Right? Catchy. Because uh, eight series that we've been following quite closely on serious issues uh, ended this week. And uh, I thought it would be fun to kind of begin our episode with some ends of some of these great books. Great idea. Starting with The Flintstones, issue number 12, the final issue of a series that we have loved uh, from issue two onwards. I remember mm. the first issue came out and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and um, everyone told me, reread it again. It is actually good. And mm. you know what? They were right. They were Absolutely. damn right. And I think we, we you know, came close to... If we, if we had a star system, damn near, you know, most of these would have been five out of five. Absolutely. Uh, Mark Russell uh, was the was the writer on all 12 of these issues. And uh, I think on Art Duties for all but one of the issues was mm-hmm. Steve Pugh. Um, they're a great team who I hope work together um, in the future. Uh, I know a lot of people were taken aback by the, the critical reaction to this series and maybe didn't jump on board at the start. So haven't actually read um, much of this series. Hopefully they got the trade when it came out at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely in that, like, section of people that was like, 
I don't like the Flintstones. I don't need a Flintstones comic book. And then, like, within two issues was totally hooked by this, like, incredibly biting satire and, like, great physical um, visual comedy from Steve Pugh. And also with more heart than any other book that DC's putting out Absolutely. right Absolutely. Um, it takes a lot to make me cry, and I didn't cry reading any of these issues. Yeah, I mean... I'm made of stone. But I almost did, probably. Where the, like, this, this came released as, like, a glut of, like, DC redoing Hanna-Barbera franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the abominable uh, Scooby Apocalypse comic, which was like, imagine if um, uh, Shaggy was a barista. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I think they like fight crime. I can't remember. It was horrible. There were zombies was and no like Scooby-Doo had emojis coming out of his head. A lot of people really <laughs> liked it. A lot of people really liked it. It sounds like you're making that up on the fly, but that's actually the it's comic actually we read. actually what was in it, guys. Um, and then there was also like a really gritty, edgy attempt at doing like a Mad Max version of um, Wacky Races. Yep. And I don't think that lasted many issues. No. And then there was one more that I can't remember. Future Quest. Future Quest. That, which is that, still going. Which is, uh, I think it ended. Uh, well, was, it, it was that, that started strongly, then kind of fell apart, but apparently got quite good. There, there, some of our listeners are big fans of it, and I will go through and read like the trades when they come out, I guess. But the Flintstones was uh, incredible. I think um, one of the best things that DC has put out. Uh, over the last decade, mm-hmm. um, and uh, when they do that complete collection of twelve issues, um, I think is going to be like a, a gift I get. Lots of people in my life. Yeah, um, it was like Siobhan said, like a, a very biting kind of satirical look at at modern society. So where the other DC Hanna Barbera franchises really tried to like reimagine the characters in today's society. Mark Russell doesn't really do anything to update the Flintstones themselves. Mm. Um, actually, he does make Fred, Fred Flintstone in the in the cartoon was an idiot, like a real mm. dumbass. He's not now. He's yeah. like a very grounded character at this at the heart of this book. Um, but he updates the just the 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 themes that that you know, like where the Flintstones car- cartoon was a satirical, like very broad satirical look at like the honeymooners and. 50s and 60s era, you know, day-to-day living stuff. Um, this is like an absolutely, you know, political book that kind of takes on the current state of America and, and humanity in general. Um, and so much so, the, this final issue, like we're not going to really spoil any of these endings. Don't worry mm. if you haven't read these books, you don't need to skip forward or anything like that. But um, basically you have uh, an alien, the Great Gazoo, who uh, has been um, put in charge of you know, deciding whether or not Earth should be allowed to uh, continue existing or will his race destroy it. Mm. And so this is him kind of delivering his final verdict. And uh, we see a lot of um, different arcs um, kind of come to a head here. A lot of characters are given the chance to redeem themselves, um, most of which I, I, I was very surprised at the uh, the guy who leads the Church of Gerald mm. um, actually has a really warm moment in this book that made him like probably the, the, like, you know, he's being seen as a kind of an idiot for the mm. entirety of this series, and I actually really enjoyed his explanation of what religion is. Yeah, it was a book. really sweet little... Um, like, this was definitely not the most sort of harsh or um, funny of all the issues. Like, this was a much more sort of gentle closeout to the series um, without as many gags. But I, I really enjoyed that section especially. It was a really nice little sort of look at um, religion versus science and why they why they don't have to be incompatible and why some people are more attracted to one than the other. And uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention the appliances. Uh, yes, who are the, uh, an- the animal um, kind of animal versions of uh, vacuum cleaners and bowling balls that appeared um, that the Flintstones use in uh, day-to-day life, um, except, except like where the, uh, the cartoon would give us kind of like 
a zoom in of like the vacuum cleaner, like having to suck up something gross and being like, oh, brother, like mm. this actually would kind of once the like, you know, Toy Story style, once the, once the doors closed, all the animals have a conversation together. And there was some some of like the most heartwarming moments of the series came from these appliances. Who also were, some of the heaviest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, uh, Bowling Ball has a really beautiful moment in this book. <laughs> I agree. Um, look, this is a surprisingly beautiful book. Um, mm. I think everyone listening should uh, owes it to themselves to pick up the, 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 the trades of this if they haven't given it a shot before um i'll i'll miss this series and but and it's not it's not really that bittersweet because i know mark russell has, is going to be continued to give be given kind of full reins like that was like the most baffling thing that this book was even allowed to exist like he was doing yeah. some some of the biting satire like i felt like almost was like biting the hand that feeds him at parts totally. of this series and uh that the, the fact that you know we know that he's doing like a snagglepuss book soon mm. Um, is very very exciting. So we're going to we're going to see lots more stuff by by Mark Russell, um, who was you know quite short change when they cut his great Prez series short at mm-hmm. six six uh, six issues. But it looks like DC have realised at least from the critical reaction that he's that's this is someone that you want to keep on. Mm, absolutely. Um, and if you liked his thoughts on religion within the Flintstones, he's actually written two books about religion. Really? Yeah, which I might I might check out. There's an the audio versions are read by James Urbaniak, who is the voice of Dr. Venture from the Venture Brothers, which is very appealing to me. Hmm, lovely. Hmm. Like, as in fiction books or...? Non-fiction, like, like, a, like a, a satirical look at religion. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if there's a narrative, but I think it's like, you know, stories about religion. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Cool, I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, goodbye, Vale, the Flintstones. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'm so glad that it's ending instead of letting another creator take over this title. Agreed. Because I just think Mark Russell's, Mark Russell's, Mark Russell and Steve Pugh's voice and, and, and pencils that really made this book as special as it was. And I think this is something like, this is a format that's really going to work. I hope this is something that DC does pretty consistently because I think it's something that really works in the current state of comics is giving two creators who have something to say a 12 issue run Definitely. i think it works really well i think it worked really well on black widow i think it can work for a whole range of things so um more of that please uh, so dc also uh, had a book a, a long a book this book had less issues than the flintstones but they took much longer to come out <laughs> uh issue nine the final issue of dark knight three the master race by frank miller brian azarello adam cubert andy cubert um klaus jansen and brad anderson um when did you stop reading this, Siobhan? I think I tapped out on issue three. Just not for me, guys. Although <laughs> Jim Jim from Kings was saying, like, God, um, Frank Miller's art has gotten, like, like it's basically incomprehensible now. And I think it's probably my favorite of his <laughs> ever in those weird little um, bonus stories that he did. Yeah. My it's f- so weird. My favorite thing about this, this form, this, these books were that the, they, they put a mini comic that related to the issue, focusing on different characters from within that issue, inside each issue, um, which I hope is something DC continue to do with mm. a better, with better voices. Like <laughs> imagine if Grant Morrison's multiversity had mm. mini comics where he got to tell like an eight page tale Within that, I think that could have been so much cooler than yeah. than, than what we see here. Um, but uh, I actually quite like for I I, I really slogged it through the last few issues mm. of this uh, bizarre third third book in the Dark Knight series. Um, and uh, like you know, I feel like my last reviews are just kind of like, why am I still reading this? <laughs> but you know, it actually all came to a head and was quite nice in that it was like it ends on quite a nice hopeful mo- n- note. Oh, that's surprising. Which is not what I was expecting whatsoever. Um, so uh, look, I, I, I'm far from recommending it, but if you have slogged it through most of the, co- the book, 
most of the, the, the issues and kind of dropped off one or two issues ago. Just finish it because it does end on a nice note. Yeah. And I think most people are reading this because they're Frank Miller fans, not because they're like, this is a great comic. Is anyone really a Frank Miller fan in 2017? Maybe they're fans of, of, of what? out, heaps. Heaps really are right, cool. <laughs> Speaking of grisly, horrible old people, Yay. we're going to review a new Howard Chaykin book in a moment. But first, <laughs> <laughs> we have to uh, review uh, a few books by, uh, from Marvel that finished. They had three, three books this week that finished up. Um, now, this book is still continuing. In fact, we read the next issue of this last week because they fucked up the numbering and we got issue 21 of Doctor Strange Classic Marvel. before issue 20. But I think that was because this is the final uh, $4.99 extra large uh, wrap-up issue by Jason Aaron, uh, Chris Pacello, and Kevin Nolan, mm-hmm. Nolan um, who wrap up their, like, frankly, like what's been the best Doctor Strange story I've ever read. Um, I think, like these 20 issues. Mm, I think I've read better Doctor Strange books, like the one where he goes to hell with Doctor Doom. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure, that one is fun with, with the Mignola art. That yeah. is very good. Okay, cool. Um, but this is very good. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> mo- th- this modern take on Doctor Strange. I mean, this is yeah. only, the only book, I think, since, like, that um, Brian K. Vaughan six-issue thing that's come out in the last decade by, with Doctor Strange on the title. It's but. definitely, like, the most fun Doctor Strange yeah. in a long time. And Bacello's art was, was perfectly suited to, to this run. And man, like just this cover, like this cover um, by Chris Bocello, just it brings together a whole bunch of stuff from over the run, and it's like total madness, and it's amazing. I yeah, love it's it. so great. I love the element of the weird sort of. I don't know if this is a thing that has existed in Doctor Strange in the past, but how much food and the way that he sort of has to like feed himself with disgusting things because he's this like disgusting magic guy. I just really like that as a as an ongoing element. Definitely. And if you read the essay at the back of this, in fact, I will say that while these finales, oh no, there were probably were as, they, they, two of them were definitely as good as the Flintstones when it came, as far as finales go. But I love that Marvel give the creators, the creative team, a chance to do like a, a, a final kind of essay mm. or like, you know, just a little response to, to, to being able to write the book. And um, I really like that when, when, when something ends. I like that, that, that sense of yeah. closure that comes with that. And it bummed me out that Mark Russell, of all people, like imagine, I, he could. I would have loved to have read a little essay that he could have written yeah, about his totally. time working on the Flintstones. But alas, we didn't get that. Um, Doctor Strange, uh, we get this great wrap up from Jason Aaron, and, and just saying where like, he 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 basically begged Chris Bocello to, to be on this book, mm. um, and I, I, th- I thought it was fun. A good call, and uh, and you know it was really important to him because supposedly every, it's every every single writing like writing staff at Marvel has at some point in their lives pitched a Doctor Strange book mm. um and it was really important to Jason Aaron that you know he do something new with it and and so he, the idea of you know magic having a cost um was like you know really drew drew him to 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 write this book mm. this is also one of the books that like I would love to see um I'd love to see the characters that they've brought in continue and these sort of arcs to continue developing. Zelma, who's um, sort of, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but going to be Doctor Strange's apprentice. I hope that she continues on. I hope that whatever's happening with Wong continues. Yeah, likewise. There's some good stuff that came out of this run in terms of the ongoing character arc for Strange, even if like... But it also manages to stand really strongly on its own. And uh, so, because it's a big bone, big big bumper issue, um, Bocelli does the uh, the first and third um, arcs, sort mm-hmm. of kind of like parts of this book, and in the middle, um, in which they are all transported to Weird World, which was a very mm. welcome uh, little addition to this book because I loved Jason Aaron's uh, Weird World um, p- uh, little mini series that he did during the Secret Wars event, and mm-hmm. then the following uh, kind of 
ongoing that came out that only lasted about as many issues, but was still very good. Um, so yeah, we, we see Zelma and Doctor Strange stranded on Weird World for a few uh, few pages, and I really enjoyed that. Even though I, I wish we saw some of those characters from that Weird World ongoing kind of Absolutely. make cameos, that was a little bit of a disappointment that they didn't. But well, you know, what can you do? Uh, this is a great little wrap up. Um, and uh, I'm very excited to see what Jason Aaron does next at Marvel. Same. I mean, obviously he's still doing Thor, but and Star Wars. But um, in fact, I wish he quit Star Wars and just keep do- kept doing Doctor Strange. But you know, Dennis Helpers is doing a good job in that one issue we've read so far. But mm-hmm. what's he going to do next, Siobhan? Is Wong maybe just a Wong ongoing? That would be sick. A Wong going. Oh, really? <laughs> Nailed it. Um, so Marvel also put out issue seven of a very sadly shortly lived mm. Nova book by Jeff Loveness. And um, Ramon Perez uh, with Colors by Ian Herring. Uh, we raved about pretty much every issue of this yeah. book. I mean, there were only seven of them, but we raved, raved about them all. Uh, this is a book that kind of brought brought together both Novas uh, that are in the Marvel Universe at the moment, Richard Ryder and Sam Alexander, and um, kind of told this great little story that, um, not retcon, but kind of like told told the story of what happened to Richard Ryder after the big... Um, Massive saga that Abnett and Lang did with him when he was stuck in the Cancerverse, and then also kind of these great little parallels between this, you know, old guy that's returning to Earth, and then like a young dude who's trying to, you know, date for the first time. Mm. It was a really, really sweet book. And um, the sad thing about this is that it ends like this is where it ends is like okay, the the first arc of this long long series just ended, and now they've perfectly set up yeah. so many more adventures with this, you know, young guy and his older mentor. But unfortunately, that's it. This is bonk. That's yeah, done. that does suck. Um, and I hope that, like, because I know, like, the the young Nova Sam is still in Champions. Mm-hmm. But I would love to get. He's such a fun character, and I'm gonna miss him on this book. And I'm like, I like his, you know, the little world that they were developing for him. Um, and I'm really gonna miss uh, Perez's art yeah, on this man. book because it was so well suited and um, and he's I, I, such a vibrant artist. I'd be very surprised if he does any more work for Marvel. Man. You can see why people leave. Marvel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was a good. It was a. I really enjoyed this final issue. I think they wrapped it up really nicely as best they could, knowing that it was finishing. Yeah, and, and I love that. You know, even though they, they are kind of rushing towards the finish line with wrapping up the big, the big fight in in this uh, this issue, that you still get like these great quiet moments of them in mm. their regular lives and mm-hmm. the parallels between them, and it ends on a really sweet note. Um, yeah, this is a this is a great series, and again, I hope they collect all seven issues in a trade. Yeah, they Ma- will. No, they always don't though. Isn't like Mockingbird like three trades for an eight 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 issue series? Because then they always cram in like these other appearances of the character from. Oh, yeah, yeah true. Marvel need to fix their trade game up. I mean, I know they're quick, so that's good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it'll definitely be collected at least. Um, final uh, Marvel series that finished was Bullseye number five, written by Ed Brisson and um, art on this one by Guillermo Sana. Um, with colors by Miroslav Merva. Um, this was uh, probably a pretty unnecessary series that I thought was really fun for about two issues and then quickly lost its luster for me. Which is when I stopped reading it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, if, you were, if you're crazy about Bullseye, mm-hmm. the, uh, the daredevil villain who can't miss a shot, is that his thing? I don't know. <laughs> um, and he's, he, like, he's like a shitty dead shot, right? Yeah, like because a terrible he's like version of Deadshot. Deadshot ha- has, no has morals. Yeah, he has he has no morals and no moustache. That's, yeah. that's the only two differences. Didn't um, the didn't the guy who used to work at Kings have a dead uh, have a bullseye tattoo, Jim? Like on the on their forehead, bullseye mm, stuff. If only. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of books that uh, Siobhan stopped reading. Hey, all right. Reborn theme throughout this episode. I think. Reborn issue six by Mark Millar, Greg Capullo. 
Jonathan Glavion and FCO Placentia. Nailed it. Um, that came. This one came out. And uh, this book was, uh, we talk about hate reading things. <laughs> I enjoyed the first issue and then quickly it was just like, oh, fucking Mark Miller's back on his bullshit. Mm. Just writing these stories that are gross. Yeah. And this one in particular just felt like a complete waste of the of the art talent. Um, it's a, about like, you know, when you die, you are reborn in this fantasy world where if you have been good, you are, you know, a, you are white. <laughs> if you are, <laughs> and if you are bad, you are like a, a, a devil. Nice. Um, and so she's, re- yeah. So she, piece of work. She, um, you know, she th- th- follows like an old, an old woman who dies, and then is kind of reborn and, and reunited with her father, and she goes on a quest to find her husband. Mm. Um, and uh, like this was, I was just reading it, it was like rolling my eyes all the way to the end, and then it says end of part, end of book one. Yeah, duh. So this motherfucker's gonna milk this for all he's got. It. This, he's- I don't. I, I, I wonder if anyone enjoyed this. I thought this was real trash. Let us know if you enjoyed it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and let us know if you think I'm still going to read the next series. I will. Yeah. I don't I know why there's something. Absolutely you will. There's something weird about Mark Millar books that even when they suck, I still enjoy them in a weird way. Like, mm, enjoy I how much they like, suck. He is a good writer. Like, he no knows da- no how to write that. and structure comics really well. I just hate everything that he does. Well, when we started the podcast, though, it was just out of that Millarissance yep. where, uh, you know, we got <laughs> so Starlight, short-lived. we got Jupiter's Legacy, we got Huck. Like, they were all good yeah. books. Yeah. Um, anyway, just go it. back and read his um, his Superman, his all ages Superman stuff again and again. Pretend nothing else exists. From Kaboom, we got four of four, the fourth issue of uh, Brave Chef Brianna, not Brave Chief Banana. You nailed it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, by Sam Sykes, Selena Espiritu, and Sarah Stern. This is a, uh, the book about a uh, the the only sister of. If it's revealed she's got like 20 brothers or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the only daughter of, uh, alongside her 20 brothers, um, basically competing with with her siblings to uh, start the most successful restaurant in, in order to win, like, his, basically her, her dying father's inheritance. He's a very famous chef. And just like his name, not the money, right. just like the, sort of the respect and the kudos that comes along with being his son. And she daughter. accidentally opens a restaurant in Monster City where oh, there no. are monster rules. And um, look, this book is a really, really cute book that actually dealt with heavier themes of, of anxiety and, and depression and, you know, that, that black cloud over your head, doubt, self-doubt, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, look, even though this was real silly and had monsters and all kinds of like crazy food that Dr. Strange would probably like to eat. Mm-hmm. Um I thought this was a really, really sweet book and just yeah. proof that like when it comes to all ages titles, kind of no one does it better than Kaboom at the moment. Agreed. It was a really nice ending. I think that'll be like a really um, sweet one to get for kids. Yeah. I, I w- is it better than Space Battle Lunchtime? Probably not when it comes to all, all ages food-based books. <laughs> that Only Press put out that one last year. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more. But this is a, a great addition to the uh, ever-expanding line of all ages food-based comics. That's so great. I'll, That's keep, so you, I'll keep you up to date with them. <laughs> Uh, finally, we got a surprise ending to a book that I was quite enjoying. Um, mm. Night Owl Society, number three, is apparently the final issue of this this series. So, like, that's, I mean, three issues of, I don't know many series that only go for three issues. Four issues, yes. Six yeah. issues, yes. Three issues is slightly odd. And you made the comment last week, like, this is moving way f- too fast. Yeah. When, uh, you know, a very, this is basically, it's about a... Um, a son trying to bring down his father's crime empire. Yeah, really um, fun concept. Really, really fun concept. The first issue in particular, incredible. Mm-hmm. So well done. Uh, it's written by um, James Venhouse mm-hmm. uh, with art by P.R. Spark. Um, and uh, 
yeah, I mean, the the, the second issue moved like it, it sets everything up, up so well in the first issue, and the second issue was still good, but it moved a lot faster than mm-hmm. I would have liked the story to. And then this issue, I just think it was just I don't know I, I don't understand why this is ending at issue three. It felt like there was so much more to tell in this story, and something happens, someone dies that just felt so unnecessary, and and actually yeah. made, just made me go, I don't like this book anymore. Yeah, that was like. That was upsetting, and it was an odd choice, and there were a lot of odd choices in this. Like, you know, we we were introduced to this, like, this team, this, like, superhero team that this kid was putting together to take down his dad, and then we pretty much didn't see them in this issue really at all, and we didn't really get character development for any of them, and it, it felt like all that stuff was being set up. I just wish that this had been six issues and they'd been able 12. to okay, yeah, like, this is absolutely a, yeah. and they'd been able to sort of stretch it out and tell this story um just pace it a little bit better yeah you know? look i think you know i think they both nailed like a, a, a perfect first issue they, they clearly have great concepts so I'll, I'll definitely keep my eye on these this creative team absolutely and if they ever revisit this this series again i i, I didn't i didn't hate this issue i just no. didn't like where it ended up and so it was if they open-ended. do do an, if they do do another one which i assume they will i guess i don't I know so. i would like to read more stories involving this concept and characters because i yeah, think it absolutely. is like a really cool concept cool mm-hmm. that is the first ever edition of last things first nice. what did you think <laughs> better than first things first well let's see you can compare it directly because now we're going to play a great segment called first things second <laughs> where we review all of the new number ones that came out last week from dc marvel image and more and you better believe there's a lot of more there were lots Dynamite put out like fucking half of these. 17 oh, number ones we have before us. It's a public holiday in Sydney, in Australia. It's a Queen's birthday. Um, and uh, if you work on today, you get double double time. Yep. And instead, we're just reviewing double the comics for no money. <laughs> hey, Podcasting, everybody. Right. It's a great, great decision, um, especially when you have a family to raise. <laughs> um, anyway, let's start with DC. Um, there's a little movie out at the moment. It's quite good. It's called Wonder Woman. Have you seen it yet, Siobhan? No, I think I'm the last person on the planet to um, to have not seen it. Is that um, a sentence? I, I, think Jim, I think Jim just coughed, so maybe he hasn't seen it either. Oh, you haven't seen it, Jim? No. Nah, no. but Jim has children. He doesn't see I have anything. children. I no. see everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, before we get talking about this issue... Um, there's a famous uh, Wonder Woman artist yeah. who we've been reviewing the works of quite regularly lately. She lives in Sydney. Her name is Nicola Scott. And uh, last night, Siobhan made her eat a butt. I made her eat a butt, guys. It was um, the first birthday of Queens of Kings. And Nicola came um, very kindly, came and visited us to talk about her classic series, Secret Six, which she did with Gail Simone many years ago um, over at DC Comics. Um, and I made a cake with because there's a really like iconic picture of Nightwing from that um, series where Nightwing's sort of posing from the back, and that's really where the idea that Nightwing has a great butt comes from. Like Nicola is really responsible for that directly. Um, so I just blew up that picture of the butt and put it on a cake <laughs> and served it to Nicola, and she loved it, and it was the best. But man, like just before we start talking about new comics. Guys, you have to go back and reread Secret Six. I reread um, just the Nicola. The Nicola was only on it for two arcs, but it's just some of the best, some of the best comics, like ever, superhero such, comics. Such ever. effortless um, balancing of characters. Absolutely, they all have. There's always an A story, a B story, and a C story, and they always feel really well managed. And and these yeah. characters, they're not like they're not good guys, they're not bad guys. They just are, and I think that's an unbelievably difficult thing that Gail Simone was somehow able to do. And this is one of those comics where I really do remember where I was when I read 
certain panels and certain things happened and it's um an incredibly progressive book for the time as well Mm -hmm. like even now reading it you're like fuck like i don't know how you guys got away with this um and it was really fun to get to talk to nicola about stuff like this because she had reasons for all that like they pretty much didn't have an editor for a lot of it so they just no one was paying attention to them and because like social media wasn't really a thing at the time they you know they weren't getting called out on stuff um, so they just got to have this kind of free reign to do whatever they want. It's such a good book. And Nicola is so great. And it was so fun to talk to her. Because I was saying, like a reoccurring theme at Queens of Kings is that, um, like, why why not more visible willies? You know what I mean? Like, everyone's wearing, like, spandex little shorts. <laughs> like, are they all just genderless? What's going on? What's this about? And Nicola's one of the few artists where, like, there's a, there's a noticeable... Bulge. Like, bulge. Um... And I was like, was that intentional? She was like, oh, yeah, I used to draw them way bigger. But when they were coloring them, they'd like flatten them out. <laughs> She's incredibly good value and so full of industry gossip. I have Great. things to tell you when oh, good. We're, we're not recording anymore. Serious issues after dark. <laughs> Stay tuned. So uh, yeah, from sorry. DC this week, um, publishers of the aforementioned Secret Six, they mm-hmm. also put out a number one this week, tying into the Wonder Woman movie. It's the Wonder Woman Steve Trevor special number one. Who cares? Uh, Steve, what I, I did, best part of this book is um, the title page, Wonder Woman's Boyfriend, Steve Trevor in <laughs> The River of Lost Years. And this is uh, a book that, written by Tim Seeley, art by Christian Deuce, um, and uh, basically teams Steve Trevor back up with the three characters that uh, basically introduces his pals, his version of the uh, Howling Commandos in in the Wonder Woman movie. Right. Um, so I think this is just kind of an opportunity to kind of tell a story with those characters because they're not pre-existing characters. Right, okay. Um, they're good. They're very well used in the movie. Um, this this move, this book begin, opens with uh, Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor teaming up um, and then Steve says he needs to go on a secret mission that he can't even tell, that he'll tell Wonder Woman if he has to, by, if she puts the uh, golden, golden lasso around him, but uh, she you know respects him enough to let him go on his mission that she, he can't tell her about. And it's to like infiltrate like someone that's looking for the the fountain of youth or something. It was blah. <laughs> yeah, this was totally fine. I think that like I un- I understand why this book exists, but I also think that like Steve Trevor is one of like he's a he's a boring character on purpose, you know? Like he's like the handsome he's the handsome boyfriend, and that's kind of it. So it's a bit it's just a bit dull. I thought. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Chris Pine's take on Steve Trevor is actually one of the, you know, I mean, one of the best parts of the Wonder Woman movie. I've heard he's very good. He's very, very good. And I think a, a lesser actor than Gal Gadot mm. um, would have struggled to be as enigmatic as he is. But she does great. Don't worry. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I doubt we'll get any more Steve Trevor adventures. Um, and uh, But uh, I don't know if you, if you fucking loved his portrayal or have always wondered, what would it be like if uh, DC gave a random white blonde guy his own book guess what there are hundreds of those already you don't need to read this one that's my review (laughs) Um, DC also put out something uh, that I read for some stupid reason did you read this I started it and then I was like you know what I'm struggling to push through this I have more important things to read $7.99 last week got you all four issues of Superman and Bugs Bunny released at some point in the 90s um, into a hundred page super spectacular number one uh, written by Mark Evanier uh, Joe Staten, Tom De- Tom Palmer, and Mike DiCarlo on uh, Art Deep Duties. Um, but uh, the reason this is coming out is because DC are doing a kind of like a bunch of uh, 
Warner, sorry, Looney Tunes crossovers mm. that start next week. So I guess this is like the primer, like, oh, we've done, we've done this kind of shit before. <laughs> um, so what happens is uh, Mr. Mitzel Spitlick and Dodo from the Looney, Looney Tunes universe uh, scheme together to bring all the Looney Tunes characters into the DCU. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. Guys, it's really wacky. Do you know what ensues? Antics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a hell of a lot of them. Um, I don't know. If the, if the idea of seeing Kyle Rayner get into a battle with Ma- Martian Man, uh, sorry, Marvin the Martian, or um, the Flash try and outrun Speedy Gonzalez, or Plastic Man morphing into a cat and then getting um, hit on by Pepe Le Pew sounds appealing. Those things all happen within three pages of this long 100 page Pepe Le Pew is such a little sex offender. <laughs> someone, needs to, someone needs to report him. Also, it gets really, really deep into uh, like. Looney Tunes lore with like characters that I was like, oh, I kind of remember that thing. Yeah, no, I'm not enough of a Looney Tunes person for this to appeal to me. It was like, it took me ages to realize that it was reprints. And I was like, this is so dated. This is so <laughs> weird. Why did they do this? Um, and that's because it is very dated. Yeah. It's an old comic. Uh, it's weird to me that Looney Tunes is like one of those things that's actually quite hard to watch in 2017. Mm. I grew up on those things. There used to be, I mean, I'm sure all over the world that had something similar, mm. but we had like, it was like Looney Tunes afternoons or something like that. And we would, it would just be like a, a two hour block of, of, of Looney Tunes and, and Batman animated series mm. hosted by like some, you know, smiley girl wearing considerably less than what you would expect a, a, a kid's host to wear. Australian TV. <laughs> you know what? I really, I really hate Tweety. Yeah, yeah, those are the worst. Tweety, cool. so, yeah, Sylvester's good, but Tweety Bird and Tweety Bird was like such a weird kind of Makes me fashion, mad. like yeah. all over, all over t-shirts, wearing a backwards baseball cap. It's so terrible. Um, I hate it. I hate that little thing. But I love Road Runner and um, and Wiley Coyote. Mm, my favorite thing my about this was um, <laughs> it had Harpoon Hand Aquaman. Yep. And that's the point where I realized this was Rapian Friends. I was like, ah. Uh. <laughs> so actually, the worst thing about this book is that all of the DC superheroes are aware of who the Looney Tunes characters are because yeah. they watch them. But not all of them. Sometimes they're like, oh, who's that? What's that thing? Yeah. Like, some of them watch Looney Tunes Aquaman's and some of them Aquaman's like, don't. I know who that is. It's Yosemite something. It's like, oh my <laughs> God, this is terrible. Anyway. Anyway. Those are DC's number ones this week. Nice. Marvel put out three this week. Good Lord. It's less than usual. That is actually. Actually, I, I, I want to go back and work out how long it's been since Marvel didn't put out a number one. I don't in think. One week. I don't think time stretches back that far. Uh, I guess the most notable of these three number ones is Darth Vader number one. Uh, that's right, another Darth Vader number one. This Good time, uh, following hot in the heels of uh, um, Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca's, uh, but you know, quite well regarded, mm-hmm. um, certainly by us two. Um, mm-hmm. Darth Vader run, we get uh, a new one that focuses on uh, the era between the prequels and A New Hope. So between episodes three and four, um, so much so that this actually opens with Darth Vader yelling "No!" <laughs> uh, written by Charles Soule, with art by uh, Giuseppe Camuncoli. Um, who uh, I, I like, quite like his art. It's a mm-hmm. bit more cartoony than photo referency, which uh, makes for a better book. Although I don't, I'm not crazy about his emperor. Yeah, Palpatine kind of looks real dumb. Um, but uh, I think this suffered from the same thing that the Darth Maul book suffered from, in that I just just failed to make me care about this at all. Yeah, it was very average, which isn't a very good review, but it's all I've got for you people. Yeah, Kieran Gillen's run, I think. You know, by introducing the characters that I know were quite divisive when it came to, like, uh, you know, like if you're a hardcore fan of Star Wars, some of these new characters they introduced, everyone from Dr. Aphra to the 
you know, the murderous droids mm-hmm. um, to the uh, murderous um, Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Uh, pe- people like, you know, I think they actually brought a lot of charm to the series and they are introduced quite early on in that, in that series. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember if I, if, I, if I came on board Darth Vader from, from the first issue onwards, but I remember enjoying it more than this. Um, like, I, it's actually to the point where I could not be bothered reading another one of these. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to keep reading. Like, probably my favorite part of the issue, and it's just like, um, you know, a sort of. I'm so sorry, my brain isn't working today. The Star Wars brand does a good thing in this because the first two pages have the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away on black, and then you turn the page and there's a double page spread that says Star Wars, and it makes the sound in your head. It makes it happen. You know, all these Star Wars comics do that, right? Yeah, I know. And every time I'm like, that's good. I like that. Um, and I did quite like the little backup from Chris Eliopoulos. Yep. Um, I always find them fun. And especially because like, his art's so like, cute and cartoony. And this is a really grim little mini issue. That's, yeah. Um, it's pretty good fun. I love his Darth Vader. Like, yeah. He was a great Vader. Incredible Vader. That's great stuff. Um, but yeah, like just not not anything special for me. I'm really bored by all these Star Wars comics that Marvel putting out now. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that they could do like I wish they would stop focusing so much on um in betweens yeah and like I think part of the reason that people loved the original Star Wars comics so much is because they had stuff like the Knights of the Old Republic or stuff set in the future and I understand why they don't want to do stuff set in the future but go back go back in the past or to different planets like there's so much I know there's so much space guys there's so much space in this galaxy far far away do something fun and different. Absolutely. doesn't need to tie into every single movie, but I guess that sells books. Oh, it's, a, it's a hard cycle. Good Lord. Iceman, number one, by Cine Grace and art by Alessandro Vitti, with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, uh, is the first ever Iceman solo book. That's crazy. I'm really surprised by that. Uh, featuring um, a recently outed um, Bobby Drake. This, this is, is the Bobby Drake the Elder, not the Younger. Um, and it opens with him trying to set up, like a, I guess, like a, like a growler profile oh no that's a bear that's yeah. a bear up i sorry I, I used to work with bears oh is grinder 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, i was like i hadn't heard of growler but i'll take your word for growler it. is a dating app for bears nice and, um uh shouts to my friend brad uh used to work with me at the restaurant i ran and uh he would play music from his um if we would play music from from his uh, his his phone mm-hmm. over the, over the speakers in in the kitchen, and you, you could tell when he was single because every ten seconds the music would cut out and he would get a growl notification. <laughs> My little brother has a crush on Brad. <laughs> he's met him a couple of times. And he's Amazing, like, he's handsome. <laughs> uh, so this uh, this book is a, a very kind of quaint, I guess, story. A very very small. Small little story where, mm-hmm. like, you know, we, we see, like, uh, Bobby has to go and run back to, uh, was it some Staten Island or something? Uh, Rhode, but, Island, Rhode, Rhode, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. And uh, his father has had a, a stroke mm-hmm. and um, is in hospital. He's all right, but he, he goes back and it's kind of like about him. He hasn't come out to his parents yet because they have enough trouble dealing with the fact that he's a mutant. And then um, a, a pacifier attacks the hospital, trying to attack another mutant. And then it's kind of like a fight between Bobby and this 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 pacifier dude. And then uh, it kind of ends with him putting his profile up. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting because this could have almost been like a just a single issue. Yeah, agreed. But uh, I think an understated one shot is what an X series kind of needs. Mm. I liked that this like it w- we didn't see I mean, like Cena Grace the writer is 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 a gay man so it definitely felt less tokenistically gay mm-hmm. when say like Bendis I don't know yeah draws them 
dancing shirtless or something, you know. Um, I, I I enjoy this this issue. I guess not not so much like for this issue itself, but like as a promise of what's to come. I think uh, I enjoyed it from that level. Yeah, it didn't like it didn't totally sell me on the first issue, but I'm keen to check it out. Like I'll I'll keep you know I'll give it a couple more issues. I didn't think it was the strongest. I didn't heaps love the art. No, I didn't like the art at all actually. And I think it's really interesting to draw, like, they drew Bobby as quite a stocky man, mm. which I think is unusual. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep checking this out. You know what was great? What was great? The uh, cover by Kevin Water. Yes, because he is very good at covers. Yeah, I wish he would do interiors, though. That, like, imagine Kevin Water on, on an Iceman book. The, the cover for the next one is incredible, too. It would have to be so... It would <sighs> be the most stylish book. Look at that. That's oh, real so good. So nice. The, the cover of the next one is... Um, uh, Iceman impaling Kitty Pride, with, but she's fine because she can phase through it. Obviously, and that's like one of the like Kitty Pride has this like sick like. Oh, she's impaling him mom. with a sword too. Uh, so fun. <laughs> um, like she has this sick like soccer mom, awful short haircut now for some reason because now she's like a headmistress. Um, and Kevin Wada is the first person to make that look not terrible. On your water. Uh, finally, from Marvel this week. Secret Empire, Brave New World, number one. I guess this is going to be the anthology ongoing. Yep, seems that series. way. Um, and uh, we get three fairly unnecessary books, um, sorry, stories within this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, one written by Paul Elor with art by Brian Level. One written by Jeremy Whitley, who's doing Wasp, with uh, art by Diego Olatugi. T- yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, and finally, a Gwenpool story uh, by Which Nick I didn't Kosher <laughs> and Tana Ford. That one in particular is no good. Yeah, um, I couldn't. I... I Gave up. I gave up at that point. I read everything else, but I couldn't quite manage it. But I guess the kind of like ongoing one that we're going to see in each issue of this is uh, a story of uh, um, the original Human Torch and Toro, um, who were on the Invaders team with uh, Cap, Bucky, and Namor, uh, basically retreating to Atlantis um, to seek the aid of Namor. Um, And he attacks them because he thinks Hydra will realize that they're with him, which goes against everything that's happening in the uh, in the main Secret Empire story, where they where they don't want to invade, where, mm. they, where, where they invade and kill Atlantis dudes. Oh, really? Remember that in Secret Empire? No. I know, it feels like the writer of this didn't read Secret Empire or wasn't mm. given the strip alien enough. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, I didn't enjoy this. It was kind of a disappointing like first look at Namor for the first time in a while. Like, we haven't really seen what Namor's up to. And this was, like, a pretty shitty introduction. I thought it was wasted. Yeah. Yeah, total waste. Total waste of the character. He's, like, he's the best. But what's easily the best story is just, like, a fun little uh, catch-up with Giant Man. Yeah. Um, written by Jeremy Whitley and Diego. Oh, I've got to say his name again. Ola Tegui. Nailed it. Uh, but it, I just want to give it props, first and foremost, for, call, for calling this one Mile Hydra. Hilarious. <laughs> Real good stuff. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, giant man um, kind of catching, like basically finding his family before joining um, the uh, what's left of the Avengers, especially Ant-Man and, and Wasp. It was good. Yeah, I really like this. I don't know anything about this giant man character, but I really enjoyed that. He was in story. Ant-Man, I think. Yeah, I, I stopped guess. reading that after right, a while because sure. okay, cool. it's expensive. Anyway. Um, this is going to be something that I guess we're going to check in with every month now. Hooray. Hooray. Uh, over to Image now. Okay, do you want to do the good Image book or the bad Image book first? Oh, I'm so excited to uh, hear which which is which. And um, did I read both of them? Did you read the Bulletproof Coffin, the 1,000-yard no. stare one-shot? No, I didn't because I don't read Bulletproof Coffin. Okay, neither do I. This Great. was fucking amazing. <laughs> you have... I, I, I've never read the Bulletproof... I think I've never read the first issue because it was free on Comixology years ago. Right, right. Um, but it's uh, written by David Hine with art by Shaky Kane. And um, 
that's kind of all you need to know is just the creator's names going into this book. It's very good. Um, because uh, this is basically Shaky Kane, um, like it's years on from when they've finished the, whatever the, the original um, Bulletproof Coffin series is done, and it's Shaky Kane being offered new work and like doing cons, but everyone expects David Hine to be there. And it's like this extremely meta thing that then has him release his first book without David Hine, and it's called Hypno Vampires from the Stars. That sounds good. And he's trying to sell it at cons, and no one wants to buy it, and then it, he like ends up getting done for murder. It's fucking... What? It's so great. That actually does sound good. It, it, I, I, I didn't you, you would it. actually love this. It's, it, uh, this is like a really, really fun, meta, kind of really... Joyously, joyously silly book with great, great art, really mm. fun pop art, great colors. Um, this is a real surprise. I was like, I, I was expecting to be completely lost in this, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Anyway, like, I'm glad we could start on a high note. Yeah. Now let's talk about. <laughs> let's get as low as they get. Let's talk about the divided states of hysteria by Howard Chaikin. So, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know that occasionally I, I try and give Howard Chaikin, uh, you know, grumpy old man, a pass once in, once in a while. Noted Chaikin apologist, Andrew Levins. <laughs> um, I don't like his writing from the last 10 years, but I do, I, like, you know, even though he's not art, I know he's not for everyone, I enjoyed him on Satellite Sam, and I've enjoyed things that he's done in the past that he's written as well. I find, American I find his is, art unreadable. Right. Unlookable. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also is one of the first uh, artists to work on Marvel Star Wars comics back in the 70s. Oh, really? Pretty crazy. Um, yeah, but uh, so Howard Shaken has put out this new book. Um, I mean, we we both gave up on that last book he put out, which is, he just he just loves using as many offensive slurs in his book as possible. That makes me uncomfortable, for one. Mm-hmm. He loves writing stories featuring... Um, transgender people mm-hmm. um, frequently referred to as like chicks with dicks and like yeah. that kind of stuff like that. He loves using that as a character trait. And he's very like uh, like fetishistic with it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, I know he is like one of those like very old fashioned left wing people who, mm. who you think, oh, like, you know, oh, I guess we see eye to eye on most things. But he's gone the full other direction in this book. And like, he basically is taking shots at both the right and the left because the left are fucking pussies now. Yeah. And they get offended by everything. And they like, basically like this book is, is like a series of vignettes in that kind of like a, a, a like a, a, you know, he's saying what's really going on in America right now. And so you have like these m- things that like, there's, there's like, yeah, like, transphobic stories there's islamophobic stories there's like even like weird i don't know if he's for or against black lives matter yeah. uh, he really checks wow. in on everything here there's very very graphic um sex and rape scenes and and murder scenes and i kind it's of really read horrible. that i read that and i read that i was like this was horrible necessary for me but like you know this is shaken this is what he does mm. and then i read he writes an essay at the back of this issue and I think it's so much worse than the book itself where he, yeah. he says that like, you know, like the, the, basically he says that the left, like, you know, care more about, you know, other people and, and, and I don't know, like he cares more about hyphens and mm. I don't fuck, fuck. Yeah. Fuck he's this. a silly, he is a silly old man um, expressing himself as a, in a very silly old man way. And beyond just like being like, incredibly offensive to like the trans community i've like astonishingly islamophobic i thought like i was really shocked and surprised by that um uh, so, element uh, um a uh, a woman islamic woman puts has a bomb inserted into her butt Ugh. 
Yes. By a doctor and then uh, is going to detonate it in New York City. Te- like, awful. <laughs> so awful, guys. And beyond, like, beyond all that stuff, like, which is enough for it to be terrible, this is such a poorly written comic. Like, it is hard to read. The first story is so... Like, there is all this bizarre, like, like computer nonsense scribble going across each panel just to confuse things. There's, like... Oh, like multiple conversations and then multiple other um, sort of narration balloons. And it's just, it's like, an, it's a terrible mess. And it doesn't read well. His art is like, not good. Yeah, this is not good. This is not good, basically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's just, it, it is bizarre that Image allowed this to come out during... Uh, well, like, I mean, Image... Uh, no, 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 but I mean, no, during Pride Month. In which they've yeah. done like pride variants of all their books, including this fucking book. Yeah. Which is like not an accepting book of like seemingly anything. Um, he even says like, like I, I, this is like, this is, I took my, my least favorite paragraph from his essay at the back. Mm. Instead of trigger warnings, cultural appropriation, safe spaces and social justice warriors, maybe we on the left should have put aside all this balkanizing nonsense and just been fucking Americans for fuck's sake. Ugh. Yeah, gross. Hmm. Um, so, I don't. I don't. Know. Yeah. But so I mean, a lot if of you like poorly drawn, saggy old man balls. Yeah, this is a this is a book for you. And and leather. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't like. You know, I don't really know enough about how the image process works. I don't think this is like necessarily like, you know, image's fault for allowing this to exist because pretty much I think image if you have the money, it's going to get published. But yeah. um, it's not. It's not good. No. It's not good. Save save your pennies, guys. It's for old people. If there's, you, listen, if you enjoy this, I hate to say it, but you're old. <laughs> or um, just terrible. Or just terrible. That's true. Two different people. Old or terrible, you decide. <laughs> uh, over to Boom now for um, yet another Cullen Bun issue. I wonder who's put out more number ones this year, Marvel or Cullen Bun? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, from uh, Boom Studios called The Unsound with art by Jack T. Cole. And uh, this is about a woman who works in a mental asylum. And there are there are dark arts at play within the mental asylum. This is a spooky book, guys. Spooky book. My favorite thing about it was the artwork. Yes. And normally I say that about books that I don't necessarily like very much, but I liked this book a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But the art was still good. I think that like I'd be interested I mean Yeah. I enjoyed this. You enjoy this? Yeah. What would you be interested about? Well, I was just going to say, like, I think that um, a lot of people who have mental health problems are a little bit tired of, like, this kind of demonization of and, like, turning them into sort of horror characters. Um, But I think this is still a very good, very spooky comic. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, not not all the inmates are portrayed as spooky. It's more kind of warm. Yeah. But, man, it is really that that last page is exceptionally horrifying. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yes, I'll be on board for this, 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 uh, this one, too. Oh, boy. Colors are good. There is a good-looking uh, book at the back here, too. Mech Cadet U. Ooh, by, by Greg Pack. Takeshi Miyazawa. I love Miyazawa. Oh, that's great. The creators of Amadeus Cho bring you a boy and his robot saving the world. Woo! That sounds fun. Sounds fun. Go boom. Uh, over to Aftershock now, and we've got a new book by Donny Cates um, with art by Gary Brown. Oh, no, uh, I missed this one. You did. Uh, so Donny Cates, uh, best known on this podcast for um, recent image number ones and Sorry, recent image series, um, including God Country mm-hmm. and what's the other one about the vampire dudes? Redneck. Redneck. Um, this one's yeah, called Baby Teeth. And um, 
my only criticism of those books really is how uh, dude focused they are. Mm. Um, they, they, there's like genuinely one female character in Redneck. Yeah. Um, and uh, I liked that this was told from the point of view of a female protagonist um, nice. who has uh, given birth to a child. And when the child, we actually read a preview for this a few weeks ago. We talked about it on the podcast. But when the child's being born, it creates an earthquake. Um, and so this is, uh, and when it's born, it has uh, no color in its eyes. It's oh black. God. I'm glad I didn't read this. <laughs> That's a very good point. How many weeks away are you? Uh, like six. We should try. And, we should try and call it like which which number one will be the best the day the week that you. Oh get yeah. And yeah, you have to name your baby after it. <laughs> Everyone's trying to force me to name my baby after terrible things. We're set on Shatterstar. Well, no, no, it's we, done. You need to pick three names, and then we'll decide on which name by rolling a dice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this book um, I thought was actually a quite little, quite good introduction. Uh, sets up this weird mystery because it's told in in the future where she's kind of uh, recording a story for her child. Like, you know, if you are reading this, I am, that kind of thing. Oh, fun. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a great start to a series. Um, and, you know, Aftershock is all over the place with, um, you know, its, it's concepts and stuff. But this, this is a cool, cool book. Hmm. Did you read Jazz Maynard? I did. How good was this? Shit? I liked this so much. Uh, this was, like, probably my favorite book of the week. This one I came think? out through Lion Forge, uh, who are re-releasing a lot of uh, of European stuff for the mm-hmm. Western market. Uh, recently, they put out issue one of Ab Erato, mm-hmm. Ab Erato. I don't know. Um, and uh, this one is written by two guys who only have one name each. One of them is Roll. The other one is Roger. Nice. Um, so Roll and Roger, uh, in, with a book called Jazz Maynard, uh, about a guy who uh, recently uh, he, he returns to his hometown after a stint in prison, um, and uh, Kind of catching up with old friends, getting kidnapped or getting getting kind of tied up, mm-hmm. and uh, revealing uh, the uh, crime and mischief that he's gotten up to since getting out of the slammer. I thought he just got back from New York City. Am I wrong? Oh right, I thought maybe he was in jail too. Maybe I not. thought he was playing playing jazz in New York. He'd run away. Yeah, maybe right. I'm wrong. Maybe there was another book this week about someone getting out of jail. I don't know. Anyway, this was great. <laughs> the art was exceptional. The colors are like, it's like this beautiful, like everything's really sepia toned. Um, yeah, I loved this. I loved everything about this. I thought this was such a great issue. Yeah, no, he was in prison. Did you I just get out so. of prison or something? That's what, that's what the old lady says to him. All right, okay. All right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, God, the art in this, and the, yeah, like you said, the colors, the shadow was mm-hmm. excellent. Um, and, uh, you know, really sets up a very intriguing mystery. Um, with characters and and penises and boobs. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Um, so yeah, Jazz Maynard gets our, our thumbs up from uh, this uh, the publisher that I'm definitely going to watch, The Lion Forge. Absolutely, so much great um, European stuff coming out. And there was a second volume of this one called Claw that came out last week that I've I've picked up, but I haven't actually gotten around to reading just yet. Um, but was like one of my favorite things. I think did it come out earlier this year? Or was it last, it was last year. year? It was last year. Yeah. So that's like an Italian one that um, is unbelievably good. Is that from Lion Forge too? I think it's Magnetic Press, isn't it, Jim? Sure. Let's see us. Anyway. Um, guess we put out one, two, three, four, five number ones this oh, week. Oh, no. I didn't read any of them. You didn't read any of them. I'm so sorry. 
Somehow I missed all of those. But you read a re-release of a number one from years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a re-release. <laughs> oh, guys, I've been really sick. <laughs> um, Dynamite put out uh, a bunch, um, starting with Magnus, number one, by oh, Carl Higgins and Jorge Fornes. This ties into the Sovereign stuff, the Turok, the Doctor, whatever the fuck. Um, all these, all these old characters um, that we've we, we kind of been they've been building up this new universe, and this was incredible. This is like oh, one of my man. favorite number ones this week. Easy. Um, it, uh, so, Doctor Magnus is a uh, a woman who is a, who is a therapist for robots, basically. That's so cool. And because because robots uh, hit a point in their lives where they just want to belong in a world where they don't have a job to do, mm. and when they realize that, they become uneasy and aren't responsive and. Um, in some cases, kill their owners. Oh, no. Um, and uh, this was like a really great concept that I think was quite similar in vibe to um, Tom King and um, uh, Tom King's Vision series mm. at Marvel um, year before last. Fun. Uh, yeah. So this is, I, this, I'm really enjoying this like weird universe they're building of all these characters. And there's always like little backups featuring the other characters. There was a Turok backup in this. Cool. But uh, yeah. Beck, this yeah, this is, stuff has been really good. I'm really annoyed that I missed that. But this, this issue in particular was like was excellent too. Mm, so um, yeah, the good, Dynamite doing good things with, these, with this world, the Sovereigns. Uh, this you, one I intentionally did not read. <laughs> yeah, and I got given the fucking horniest cover I've ever seen. To, to, I couldn't even read this on the train. Cosplay variants. Uh, Kiss Vampirella. Um, written by Chris Sabella, which is hilarious. That this is what he's stuck doing now. Yeah. Um, and Anna Paula Martello um, brings the two worlds of Kiss and Vampirella together. Except Vampirella is like a bass player in a rock band who are playing in the same town that Kiss arrive in. Um, but Vamp- Vampirella is also like a demon hunter. Um, and Kiss are like much younger versions of themselves, but at least Kiss are actually in this book because the last two Kiss number ones I've read, Kiss haven't been in for some fucking weird reason. <laughs> I would um, love it if it was like Kiss as at the age that they are now. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's a bunch of gross old dudes in makeup. Um, they're nice. kind of they're just gross dudes in makeup in this one. Nah, the, the, the old is the important part of you. Yeah. Really um, is. But uh, yeah, so like one of like their they they've returned to this town and all the old rock bands have disappeared. And I, possibly because they've been, they've been, they've become demons and Vampirella's killed them, I guess. Is what and then it turns to... out just no one, like, they just all broke up. Yeah. Just no one was going to see it. Um, well, he, they do say some of them went back to their old jobs, but some of them just disappeared. Uh. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I won't read another one of that. So. Silly. How silly. <laughs> Gua, Orgasmageddon. Oh, I did intentionally not read this one too. So, um. Sorry. Are you familiar with Gua? Like, only because Jim told me who they were, and so I was like, ah, you know what, I'm just, this, like, there's no universe in which this is going to be for me, or I'm going to be able to give it an appropriate, I'm not going to name my child Gua. Roll the dice. Um, <laughs> so, Gua Orgasmageddon is written by two members of Gua, um, with art by um, one of the members of Gua and someone else. Amazing. Um, this, the, Gua are like a kind of, um, like, really over-the-top rock bands who um, perform in stupid costumes, have dumb names, and, like, um, like have, like, like penises on stage and blood. Cool. And I think they, they did something. terrible. They did something with, like, like Pauline Hanson and Malcolm Turnbull puppets, or Tony Abbott oh. puppets when they were in Australia last. Oh, okay. They're yeah. not Australian. No. They just not. have a bunch of politically relevant puppets ready to go for every country they visit. Um, and this is, like, a real... Real stupid book that I, I really didn't like, and I, I read it so, so drunk. So I thought I'd be like in the in the perfect mood to read this book last night, um, and I hated it. Fucking... Do you ever do you ever take comics with you while you're DJing? 
Like yeah, of course, yeah, constantly <laughs> to read on the on the way on the way home. Oh no, <laughs> but like not behind the decks. No, I can't do that. Your, my, your boyfriend does. I yeah, know. sometimes he takes like like his university work, and everyone's like, "You need to stop doing that." It's like the worst vibe ever to look up, and the DJ's not even paying attention, just reading. Um, but in this book, Gua's manager is responsible for the death of Kurt Cobain. Like he straight oh, up no. like blows his head what? to pieces. Yeah, it's. Oh my god, that's really that's uh, that seems a. That seems like in poor taste. Yeah, that's what they were going I know for. He's it's Gua, a long baby. Time ago. Um, yeah, so this sucks. Um, Good lord! And uh, if you liked it, you're old. <laughs> um, uh, Did you like it, Jim? Not particularly. No, John, no, congratulations, nah. Jim. You're not old yet. Um, Mighty Mouse number one, another comic uh, through Dynamite this week, uh, written by Sholly Fish and up by Igor Lima. Um, what's your memory of Mighty Mouse, the character? I have no memory of Mighty Mouse, the character. So you don't know about here, I come to save the day. No. No. I don't know what any of that means. That's all I know, really. Mighty Mouse is a Mighty Mouse. The name, it's all in the name. Yeah. uh, Who comes to save the day. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Um, And in this book, it's a weirdly grounded uh, tale of a kid who gets bullied at school, um, but he loves Mighty Mouse. And, um, like, that's his, like, escape from the world is he watches Mighty Mouse and draws pictures of Mighty Mouse and draws pictures of him fighting crime with Mighty Mouse. And then, guess what, Siobhan? What? Just when he's, a, like, you know, at his lowest, who should jump out of the television? Oh, my God. Is it Mighty Mouse? Yep, Mighty Mouse. Not Danger Mouse. Is no. Danger Mouse a thing? Danger Mouse is a thing. Right. Uh, that's a British thing. Nice. Um, yeah, so, yeah, this, uh, this, this bullied kid is now going to do a team up with Mighty Mouse. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, great. I might read a second issue with this. I, I didn't hate it. It was kind of fun in a sweet way. Hmm. Uh, final uh, number one or number zero to be exact from Dynamite is Ash versus the Army of Darkness. Um, obviously, you're aware. Uh, of of uh, all the Army of Darkness, uh, whatever the fucking other Darkness movies are called. What are they called? Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Thank you. Jesus. Because <laughs> um, they do give you a recap of all of those movies in the first few pages of this. And then... Uh, I really liked the remake they did a couple of years ago. That was good. I never watched the show that was on Stars or whatever. Oh, yeah. I've heard that's also good. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, everyone loves Bruce Campbell. 
He's got um, a great chin. And uh, it's it's pretty good in this book. It's a pretty okay chin. This is a pretty nothing issue, like most zero issues are. Basically culminates in him. He accepts a job as a teacher. So he is now a teacher at Alan Shepard High School. Great. And school's in session. To be continued in detention. Oh, goodness. Um, but it's one of those stupid issues where it's like exactly half of the comic minus ads is the comic. And then the rest of it is just like just sketches and ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mostly ads. Um, although one of the ads is exciting. Jodie Hauser is writing a money penny book in the James Bond universe. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier in the office. Very exciting news. And the cover is brilliant with art by Jacob Edgar. So great. Awesome. Um, so I also read... Also drunk, I don't know, three pages of this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book. Don't do that. Nice. That's, that's my review. And um, it was a, it was, ties into the Nickelodeon series. Anyway, no okay, right. Finally, I read Harvey Hits. You didn't read this one? No. We talked about it. <laughs> I know. Um, so Joe Books oh. Limited, who are the British publisher who put out um, a lot of Disney stuff. So not, no, sorry, Canadian publisher who put out a lot of uh, Disney stuff. They do a lot of like the, the uh, comic versions of like the big Disney movies like Moana. And, okay. Um, uh, they did the Darkwing Duck series from last year. So they do pretty quality stuff. Uh, they have, I guess, acquired all of the original Harvey Comics characters. For, so Richie Rich, Lil Dot, um, Hot Stuff, that um, big yellow goose that wears a hat, um, <laughs> Casper the Friendly Ghost, cool, the little witch girl. What's her name? Oh, Wendy, yeah. Wendy the Witch. Um, and uh, this is like an anthology featuring all those characters with um, a great cover by... Um, the Alt Baltazar, mm-hmm. who does those, like, you know, the little kitty versions oh, yeah. of all the superheroes. Oh, yeah, comics. Um, and uh, inside is, like, a, you know, most hit and miss kind of selection of comics featuring these characters that you may have read if you read comics when in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of, I, I, in a way, grew up with those characters. Yeah, yeah. I immediately, when you said Wendy the Witch, I got, like, a weird feeling of nostalgia for something I'm pretty sure I don't know about but i still was like ooh, i would read that um so yeah a lot of them are like kind of you know two page kind of like you know goofy slapstick kind of stuff featuring these characters but then there is a, one really great richie rich story um in which uh uh he wants to help his friend gloria sell wrapping paper in the middle of the year because she's having a trouble raising money for some charity and um so he then goes and talks to um people at style and coolery advertising agency <laughs> Awesome. Um, and uh, they like convince him to like, like start an app and oh like advertise like and and it's 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 really it's really funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was like a goofy kind of look at consumerism or whatever. That's pretty. Fun. I wasn't expecting it. And then there was brilliant art by someone called Eric Jones on the uh, the Casper story, which you can see is mm. quite quite fun. Good colors mm. too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, if, if you if you have any kind of connection to those characters whatsoever, oh, the yellow goose with a hat is Baby Huey. There you go. <laughs> Maybe he's a duck because <laughs> gooses aren't yellow. That's, that's my point. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, if you have some kind of memories of these characters and you want to see what what comics written in 2017 featuring them would be like, look no further than Harvey Hits. Oh boy. Um, well, I didn't realize that this was a reprint. Am the I, the I Mighty Zodiac. I think the Mighty Zodiac is a long. It's a long running season series. Jim? I don't know. I've never heard of it. Um, but anyway, I read the first issue. Um, Only Press put out a $1 um, issue of it this week by Jay Torres, Corin Howell, and Marta Laiho. And I really thought this was cool. It's all about Zodiac and evil bunnies <laughs> and trying to rescue falling stars and stuff like that. It was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, so occasionally um, publishers will release the first issue 
for for like a buck. Mm. Re-release the first issue for like a buck. This is uh, my Zodiac is six issues in. Ah, cool. Well, I might. I'm hopefully gonna. I'm gonna try and track down the rest because this was really good fun. Really like nice cartooning, good colors. Kind of looks like Kung Fu Panda, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely Kung Fu Panda vibes. Fun. Um, Siobhan, we've done all the first comics, we've done all the uh, last comics, which leaves gracious. us to a little segment that we like to call Roll the Dice for Image, Marvel, or DC. What I'm going to do is roll this here dice. Number one to two, we, we review Image first. Number three and four, we review Marvel. Number five and six, we roll DC. Here we go. Six, DC first, which is Ooh. great because we're going to talk about that Batman number 24. Oh, yeah. And after that, we're going to talk about Image. Great. Nice. Uh, so let's talk about Batman issue number 24, the uh, insanely big uh, cliffhanger. That no one saw coming. Written Whoa, by Tom King. Guys. With art by David Finch and Clay Mann. Um, and this is like a key example of what I was talking about before. On the cover, Batman does not look like he has a penis. Continue. Holy shit, you're right. Like, really, it actively like he's looks- tucking. But and we also- have actually talked about this at Queens. And some athletes, like martial artists, do tuck to avoid injury. Yeah, because so maybe that's the easiest on. way to like to to take Batman out would just be like a swift kick to the balls. Absolutely. So like, yeah, you want protect it, still cop those things. Absolutely. Anyway, continue. More on that in every other episode of Serious Issues <laughs> from for the rest of our lives. Um, so this uh, look spoilers for the next three minutes. If you have not read this issue yet, and somehow it's not been spoiled for you, it was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, like weird, like people from like Fox News were retweeting it last year. Every like Entertainment Weekly were reporting on this. So weird. Uh, so like, th- so weird because it, it just felt like a nothing thing to me. Like, I was really like, oh, yeah, I guess. And it was ruined. For, like, I was just, I Googled the issue to try and, f- like, find it on Diamond or something like that for my job. And it was spoiled <laughs> for me. It was annoying. Um, so I managed to admit not, not get spoiled. I, I read this as soon as I came to King's. I just uh, Jim was still unpacking all the boxes of comics. And I pulled this one out and read it as quickly as I could. And uh, what happens on the final page is... Batman proposes to Catwoman. So, like, weird and dumb. So, I thought that at first. But when you think about the story that Tom King has been telling in Bat- Batman, especially mm. when you talk about what, what did his father say to him at the end of The Button? Oh, he yeah. He said, give up Batman, Batman, focus on your on your life. This comes after you have all these issues of Batman kind of revealing that every time it goes out on Batman, it's a suicide mission, you know what I mean? Like, he contemplates mm. it. And, and then... You know, th- even the very first issue that Tom King wrote, where he, where he, you know, saves the plane, he want, you know, did I do good, mother and father? Did I do good? He actually meets his father. His father wants him to give up Batman. Yeah. And so I guess his idea, like, you know, we we, we got those two great issues on the rooftops with Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, she redeemed herself. You know, where, where we meet her in this, the, at first in this series, she's killed mm-hmm. hundreds of people, and uh, it's revealed she didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I thought I, when, when that first happened, I guess because I knew there was something massive happening at the end of this. I was like, what the hell? That came out of nowhere. Yeah. But when, I, when you think about it, and Tom King isn't always, he doesn't really always write super directly. He will kind of like hint on things and then, and then bring them back later. Mm. Um, I thought it made sense in, in, in the overall arc of this series. I guess it does. But it's more to me, <laughs> like, it's more to me, like, just have a relationship with her first, Batman. Try moving in together. You don't have to rush straight to marriage, you know? But he kept... It's 2017. The, he, he kept the diamond that, that yeah. she stole on the first time they met. It was very romantic. Good job, I guess. Let it be known that Siobhan does not believe in marriage. I really don't. <laughs> I'm the worst. I've been kicked out of someone's wedding. I was maid of honor and I 
just don't care about weddings so much that I was removed from the wedding party. Like at the wedding? Oh, no, at the wedding no. party. Right. Yeah, I was what, removed from what, the wedding Because like, you like, just rolled your eyes every time I asked you to do something? Or? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I brought a crossword to the first um, <laughs> like dress fitting. <laughs> I'm such a bad person, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, anyway, can you please? What, what? How did they? How did they break the news to you? Oh, she like, <laughs> she like took me out to lunch and was like, "Look, I don't think, I don't think this is correct. I don't like this. Isn't the wedding experience that I wanted?" And I was like, "That seems fair. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bow out." Well, forgetting that story out. Anyway, of you, Batman Twenty Four gets best issue of the week. <laughs> oh man, she doesn't talk to me anymore. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this issue was fine. <laughs> I mean, she's probably going to say no, right? I think. Yeah, you got to assume. I Catwoman don't... seems way more sensible than Batman. She'll be like, "This seems like a cry for help." She's definitely been kicked off someone's yeah. wedding, wedding party for bringing a crossword. <laughs> oh dear. Oh man, that's a real good uh, shinbone fact. <laughs> Um, the rest of this issue is about Gotham Girl um, and, you know, kind of being thankful towards Batman. And we kind of get that interchanging with him uh, on his way to meet Catwoman. Yeah, that was nice. I liked that sort of um, development for that character. Was that a different artist? Yeah, so Clay Man yeah, did okay, those cool. pages and David Finch did, 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 did the Catwoman pages. Because that was sort of um, a little bit jarring for me. Right. But I still, I still enjoyed that. And I, I like the Gotham Girl character. I'm interested to see what happens. What happens with her next? Yeah, I kind of feel, feel like no matter what Tom King does, I always will be like, no, it's fine. Like, because what, what? Like, I know the next issue is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, true. I've sort of like I think I the Batman stories that I enjoy the most personally are just like detective stories, you and so us. this has been a much more like introspective about Batman as a character. Mm-hmm. And I always think that Batman's such a silly character that when you start doing that, you're sort of like, ah, oh, this is just very silly. He's just a very silly man. None of this really makes any sense. So I'm probably more excited to see Tom King take on um, Mr. Miracle. I think that's going to be really good fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is like I still I still mostly enjoy these these issues. And what we get the, the what's it called like the Battle of Jokes and Riddles or something? Yeah, that sounds way more up my alley. Yep, that's coming. That's the next issue. Two weeks I'm from now. It. Here we go. Um, cool. So uh, Superman at number twenty four. We're also at like this is the twenty fourth issue of these books, which means we're officially. 12 months of uh, of Rebirth. Oh, yeah. That's what, crazy. What's your favorite Rebirth book? Um, Probably Wonder Woman yeah, still. I guess so. For the next two issues at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Interested to see what happens next. Superman for a time was my favorite book, but I yeah. think this, this, this arc is kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah. I sort of like it less... I I was so into the mystery, and now that it's been revealed what it is, I'm like, uh, yeah, that's fine, I guess. So this continues the it's Black Dawn story storyline, written by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Leeson, with art by Patrick Leeson and Doug Mankey. Um, art is great all the way throughout, um, because yeah. of that saying. But this is uh, Manchester Black is uh, kind of, uh, kind of trying to mould um, Superboy, aka John Kent, into a Superman who who goes one step further than Superman ever would and actually kill his bad guys instead of letting them live on to, to fuck up people's lives another day. That's what this series is missing. It's a bit, like... It does seem annoying to me that, like, the, the whole point of Rebirth was, like, let's bring, let's bring a little bit of optimism and fun back into the DC universe. And, like, the first sort of... Uh, like, a lot of the time, it seems like the arcs are, like, 
nah, but let's let's make it grim again. Like that's going to be the that's the big threat. Yeah, and that's kind of well. I think annoying. what you get, we've we've seen, you know, even with the Eradicator stuff at the start of the series, you yeah. see everything goes to shit and like things die and mm. it doesn't look like anything's going to be good. But then, like you know, they, they band together as a family and hope wins another day. And I think that's probably yeah. what's going to happen here. You got to assume. But uh, you know, Manchester Black was we talked about it with the uh, the last two episodes ago where he was the in that Batman one shot. Sorry, Superman action comics one shot. Yep. What's so funny about? truth justice in the american way and uh was used to great effect in that and effectively a one shot you know you did everything that the character could ever really be able of doing and they're just kind of rehashing that here mm. except he's you know directing his son as opposed to a, a new team of elite people he does like to say the word elite he very sure very many times throughout very this. very winkingly i have a question is mm. lois's leg still off uh does she stand up at any point in this book no she's in bed but we don't get we don't get us we don't get to see but she doesn't seem that sad about not having a leg anymore. Legs are dumb. Yeah, who needs them? Um, not two. Maybe she'll get like an Aquaman harpoon leg. Cool. <laughs> or what? He then got a hard water arm. Remember that? Oh yeah, that was that was less cool. Harpoons fall. Uh, Bane Conquest number two of twelve, written by Chuck Dixon with art by uh, Graham Nolan, uh, continues this bizarre story about Bane and Batman fighting for Gotham against some. Big crime lord. I don't know what's going on in this book. I remember Chuck Dixon's books being a lot easier to follow. <laughs> yeah, this just feels like it's um in like an alternate DC history that I don't remember. But he references the recent Tom King arc with Bane oh. in this. I think he does anyway. Does he? Well, yeah. anyway, I found it confusing. I think like another thing, <laughs> just to talk about Secret Six again. One of the best things to come Fuck out of that yes. God, was yes. the like interpretation of Bane. And it's so sad to see that DC never really maintained or continued that because he was such a like complex, nuanced character, and they did amazing things with him. Like he was, he was Bane. Like he, you know, still used Venom sometimes, and he was like a big, scary guy. But he was also like this really sort of soft man who saw everything in kind of absolutes. And when there was something that he thought was right to do, he just did it. So like the relationship between him and Scandal Savage was one of the cutest, so most sweet. like yep. wonderful things of all time. Yeah. Guys, six. Yeah. It was so good. You're right. I, I, and there, there is a lot of, yeah, this just feels like a very dated character in retrospect, whereas they, they did so much with him in secret six. Yeah. yeah. The scene where, um, Nicola said it was like one of her favorite things that she's ever drawn when um, Scandal is helping Bane to like kick the venom. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't want to do it anymore. It's like an addiction. He doesn't want it. And so she's like, I will stay with you for the night. And they've been developing this kind of like almost like brother sister relationship, I guess. And it seemed like it could, you know, it's this incredible scene because it's incredibly intimate without being sexual. Like she gets into bed with him and like she takes off her pants, but she's like, you know, still clothed, and she's like, "I will stay with you for the night." And it's never, it never veers into being sexual. It's just very like you almost feel like you're Close. intruding a little yeah, bit by what, like yeah. by reading. It's a really amazing piece of work. So, in short, read that instead of this. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Nightwing issue twenty-two, uh, blockbuster time, part one by uh, Tim Seeley with art by oh, it's gonna be a fun one, Miguel Mendoncha. Nailed it. Um, this. Uh, I, I don't know, I've got nothing good to say about this yeah, book anymore. Yeah, I'm sad too. I think I'm out also. Like, this issue was so average and so 
like boring and unremarkable and I don't like this version of Dick. Like That's that's it. The key yeah. is it's not a fun version of Dick Grayson. Yeah. So I think I think I'm probably out for the moment. Out we go. Oh well. That's all we need to say. Otherwise we'll just be be mean for no yeah. no need. Absolutely. Um Injustice number two, number three. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh written by Tom Taylor with um art by Daniel Semper and inks by Juan Albaran. Um I really like this series. I I haven't read the first one and every time I review an issue of this I'm going to bring that up because I I don't know who this evil version of Batman is, but there are two Batmans in this book. Oh, okay. But um it's really fun. It like it 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 kind of I love ensemble books where there's all the heroes together and um because this isn't an event, there's no like something crazy doesn't have to happen at the end of every yeah. issue. Um, it's just a, it's it's a it's a cool story with a lot of DC characters that I I don't read their ongoings anymore. Mm. So it's good to see them used to great effect in this alternate um, universe tale. It's the it's the beauty of Elseworlds books. Yeah, it really is. It it really is. It's good. It's a good book. Mm. Um, let's talk about the uh, books that DC published that aren't DC books. So we've got a Young Animal book and a Vertigo book. Shade the Changing Girl number nine features Shade the Changing Girl. Uh, she's left Gotham. Oh no, she's in Gotham City. Sorry, she's left mm-hmm. where, wherever she went to begin with, um, and she is seeing the sonic boom, sonic, sonic beams, sonic booms, sonic booms. Oops, that's a bad lettering over there. Um, the sonic booms, um, and uh, they are a band that were on the I Love Lucy esque show that she was. Like, you know, first got her obsessed with Earth that she used mm-hmm. to watch on her home planet. And when she sees them, um, they are, you know, considerably older, like way older. And everyone in the crowd is very old too. And this is an incredible, incredible issue of uh, Shade basically making everyone feel and look young again using mm. her madness powers. And realizing that then maybe that's not the best thing. <laughs> this was such a fucking good issue. Yeah, it's so good. The series is so good. They're covering so much like interesting ground in it, like the nature of aging and what being young means, and all this kind of stuff. That's really um, it's really good fun. It's really satisfying read, and the art continues to be really exceptional. And I love it. I love and it so much. So the show I love Lu- the I love Lucy's show, which is called Life with Honey. Um, they've been collecting in like backups at the mm-hmm. at the end. You get like you know three to four page uh, book comic comics featuring these characters, like a, like an episode of the television show. And uh, as of this month, the art is by Brittany Williams. Yeah, I was gonna say it's um like I like Dan Parent heaps, but good lord, Brittany Williams, she's the best. She's, she's so, so good. good. Um, anyway, this is a this is one of my favorite books of the year, I think. Yeah. And. Cecil Castellucci, I think, is sure. maybe like one of those art, um, writers that I'll just read absolutely everything of. Absolutely, and Molly Zarconi is an artist that I will follow yep. wherever they go. Savage Things, issue four from Vertigo, written by Justin Jordan with art by um, Ibrahim Mustafa. Did you start reading this? I did. It just was a little bit like... Grim. Yeah. Um, it's a grim book about a bunch of assassins um, who are uh, just rampaging through New York City, and it's up to an ex-assassin and an FBI agent to put a stop to the madness. Um, How'd they do? They're still going. <laughs> the madness is very prevalent. Um, it actually ends, this episode ends, issue ends with them potentially being arrested. Oh, goodness. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying this. Um, and I thought this would maybe be like the last Vertigo book ever, just because I don't know what the fuck's going on with Vertigo right now. But mm. it turns out they're putting out a book called This Ameri- The American Way. Cool. Oh, that sounds uh, Written by the guy great. who wrote 12 Years a Slave, Guerrilla, and American Crime. Oh. America. Well, then I will read that. 1972. You can't serve and protect. Mm. Interesting. Sounds exploitation-y. The first series was 10 years ago, says so Jim. So a series of what? Turns out oh, Jim okay. is old. Jim is old. 
<laughs> um, those are our DC reviews. Now we've got some image books to review. And I'm going to kick this off by uh, talking about one of my favorite series ever that I forced Siobhan to read an issue of, even though she's never read an issue of the almost 100 issues that have come out prior I to I enjoyed this. it, but it was also confusing. Stray Bullets by David Latham, uh, written and drawn by him. He is so fucking good. This is one of my favorite series, uh, produced and edited by his wife, Maria. Um, one of those books that... Uh, was beloved when it came out, took a long, almost 10-year gap, and then suddenly he's just continuing the story now, and he's getting quite close to the point where he's written more issues of it than there were to begin with. It's um, so this one uh, is a book featuring um, our three current main characters who are on the run. Uh, they've left Baltimore. Eventually, we know they end up in California, but right now they're in New Orleans, and this issue is almost like a, a one-shot featuring the three of them getting split up and um, kind of... You know, uh, some bad shit happens to most of them. Uh, the classic stray bullets shit. This is the best crime book ever. Um, what did you think as your first little taste of uh, of this series? I found it enjoyable, but there was a lot of context um, that I didn't understand. And like, I think if I understood the ongoing relationships between these guys, it would have been more meaningful. But the art is really, really lovely. The pacing is really amazing. The storytelling is really good. It definitely makes me want to read the series. I think that probably... I mean, because I, that's the only thing that I've read of it, I wouldn't be able to say it was the best crime comic ever. I think Ed Brubaker would have um, some strong challenges to that. I'm sure he would put this up there with his favourite crime comics. I'm sure he would. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Stray Bullets, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Um, it's, it, it's, it's my most exciting, like, oh god, fuck yes, new Stray Bullets mm. every, every month it comes out. Um, and, I, and you know, I, that's... That's something I don't get as often as I used to now that we read way too many comics. So when something jumps the top of the pile like that, you know, it's special. I still like, I feel like such a terrible dork because like every week I'm like, oh, so many comics to read. But there's still always something that I'm like, ooh, mm. I can't wait. And there are even like when you when you see a massive list where you, where you see all the ones that you're like, oh, I like that one, I guess. But then you, you forget about how many actually incredible ones are in there. Yeah. Um, Paper Girls, number 15, was one of those incredible ones. I really enjoyed this issue. Brian Bray and K. Vaughan and Cliff Chang. Again, um, it's impossible to catch anybody up on this story without spoiling it for those who haven't, so we won't even bother. But guys, you should be reading this. It's very good. We just just re- redid our, our review of the last issue of Abatum, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I I do probably enjoy this more. No, not more than Saga. Like, they're not, you know, you don't need to compare everything. Not everything needs to win. But I, I really love this series. I really love what um, Brian K. Vaughan is doing with these characters. And every, like, this was another issue where the end, you were like, what? Yeah. What? What? Like, it goes constantly in so many directions that you do not expect and that are um, constantly opening it up to, you know, such interesting possibilities and it really does feel like a comic that they could go anywhere yeah and i love it yeah definitely. i love these characters as well that he's developed yeah brian brian kevon does the best cliffhangers yeah and this yes. this one has like a just a what the fuck moment yeah, yeah. and promise for some incredible cliff cliff chang art featuring whatever we see it on that on those final pages returning in the future yeah it's so fun getting to see um you know an artist that you really like and that you followed for a long time get to do something really different and expand what they do mm-hmm. um so this is yeah it's been really rewarding to get to see Cliff Chang um, work on this series. And Matt Wilson on the colours is, like, very, 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 very good. What do you like more about Paper Girls? The cliffhangers or the Cliff Changers? <laughs> mm, good. Um, 
Speaking of cliffhangers, uh, they always have them at the end of Walking Dead issues. Yep. And uh, I've been kind of taking this series for like, like, oh, come on, here we go. Like, I, you know, I do just read it because I've read 167 issues of this before, but the 168th issue featured a moment uh, in spite of all of the sadness and arguing that goes on in your average issue of Walking Dead um, of someone actually making me laugh out loud. Um, and it is Negan who says... Um, uh, they feared me, and again, me most of all. And that was more rad than foot-fucking a beautiful lady's feet pressed together to form a magic foot vagina made of two feet, right? Right? I was like, that's gross. That's not very funny. Then the next panel is Negan saying, what? We're all going to sit here and pretend nobody's fucked a foot before? <laughs> it can't just be me. And I just, I don't know. I, that is funny. Kudos to... That is good. Kudos to Kirkman for oh making me laugh uh, in... in uh, in, in, in the midst of uh, in this long-running zombie epic. Mm. Extremity by Daniel Warren Johnson with uh, colors by Mike Spicer is uh, issue four we're going to talk about right now. The um, war between worlds. I don't even know how to describe this. I this loved this yeah, issue, It's so though. cool. It's so good. And this had one of my favorite... Um like fight scenes in something that I've read in a really long time. I think it's very rare for you to be able to read... A comic, and I think it's more common in manga where they they take time, and each panel like follows really clearly, and you can follow a fight from sort of yes. blow to blow. And this was this. such an exceptional example of Agreed. what that can look like. Yeah, this was really good. Um, I try and like think about what I say about each comic from like a critical standpoint now. Like I like trying to do like a little summation yeah, yeah, of yeah. what's happening in this book or what the book is about before like saying whether or not I liked it. But it's so hard with some of these image books because yeah, yeah, yeah. they are like these weird genre mashups that like have that give you so much information in each issue, and it's so hard to kind of summarize them. And it has like yeah, and it's like really uh, dense, tightly plotted, sort of interesting, bizarre stuff. So it is it is hard to explain where this is family. going. But it's yeah, it's about family, and it's cool. Kind of sits in that sort of fantasy sci-fi sort of area, if you like. Avatar The Last Airbender, but wish it had more heads on spikes. <laughs> I think this is probably for so you. So everyone. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. This is a great book. One, one of Image's uh, best new ones of this year, I think. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, also, potentially uh, getting to that in another issue or two is uh, Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughan's new book, Eternal Empire, mm. which uh, gave us uh, basically like last, last the first issue, we were introduced to a character who uh, has, you know, who could see visions. Uh, she's like pretty much a slave. Um, in a in and in a like a a race that are taking over as many parts of the world as they possibly can, forever expanding mm-hmm. and enslaving everyone who's, who's there. And she escapes at the end of that first issue and comes face to face with someone someone else who has the same potential powers as she does. Mm-hmm. And so this issue, we see that other character, what his life is like, and how he gets to where she is at the end. And this again reminds me of. Avatar The Last Airbender. It's that kind yeah, of fantasy universe. Yeah, I would agree universe. with you. And I love this. I love the art. I love the concept. I'm really excited to see where it goes. It's like, you know, they've done obviously a lot of world building um, in this. So you, you sort of come into it feeling like, you know, you're not... Like the world feels well realized already, which is cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure what this series is going to be about yet, which is hilarious. No. Um, and this, this, these two issues reminded me a lot of um, that first issue of Trillium by um, Jeff Lemire. Oh, yeah. Jeff Vertigo, where you had like one side was one character's story, mm-hmm. and the other side, if you turned it over, was the other character's story, and they met in the middle. Mm-hmm. This issue just took, took their, like, allowed it to be more spacious. Yeah, absolutely. It was good. good stuff. 
really enjoyable. Uh, Rock Candy Mountain, number three by Kyle Starks with uh, colors by uh, Chris Schweizer. Um, this is uh, the hobo book, uh, hobo comedy book about a man on a mission to find the big Rock Candy Mountain uh a seemingly fantasy, like you know, made-up place that was sung about in a song, that he is a, he is convinced it's real and that magic exists in this world. Uh, and this book uh, had him them the main our characters come face to face with the devil. Mm. And uh, I really enjoyed this one. I think this has been a slow burn to get to this point, but now it came at a, at a, at a good pace in this issue. Yeah, there's still like I I don't hate this by any means, um, but I it's just not it's not something that super appeals to me sure um but I, I don't think that's a criticism of the book i think that's more just like that's not for me what about the introduction of a new character a detective who's hot on the heels of our car- of our main characters she's shown up before hasn't Is she? she old babs bardo yeah. i don't remember her but I, 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 that's an amazing name of a character. I, I, I really i really enjoyed her in this yeah that great. was good and she tells uh cops that she's gonna snap their peters off <laughs> yeah that was I like good. To call, i push called dick's peters more that's hilarious <laughs> um cool also a good threat um, Planetoid Praxis number five. Did you forget oh, to read this see, one? I picked up the last issue by oh, accident. Classic Shinbone. Uh, another great issue. It was a good issue, issue though. Oh, issue four? Yeah. 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 It was the second time around? No, I didn't read it last time. All oh, right, cool. So I'll look forward <laughs> to your review good. of issue five yeah. when I review issue six. Um, yeah, just a great continuation of this, uh, this world that's being taken over by a corporation and uh, what, what becomes of the, uh, of the locals. Um, and then uh, the backup this week. Normally, it's this is the the planetary practices is, is written and drawn by Keith Garing, um, Ken Garing. Sorry, Ken, Ken, Ken Garing. And uh, normally at the back, if you turn the comic upside down and look at it from the other end, uh, he has a, just a section called other stuff, and it's like weird little strips that he's written. <clears throat> and uh, this time, uh, this uh, this this edition of other things, sorry, not other stuff, uh, is uh, not by him. It's by an artist called John Lee, L E. And mm. I swear I've seen this. Are these faces that you've seen in the island before? In Ireland? He's this little, this little, this mm, little face. It looks very familiar. looks very something. Look, this would fit in great with uh, in, in an issue of, uh, of Ireland. Mm. Great Brand, Brandon Graham-esque work. Um, yeah, this is a, such a good, good comic that comes out month to month. Yeah, cool. Uh, Injection number 13 um, yeah, by Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey, and Jordi Belair. Uh, Siobhan doesn't read it, but it's like a um, Damn, I'm sorry. very grim and gritty version of Scooby-Doo. Uh, you have a team that investigate weird sci-fi paranormally things. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, this uh, features uh, two of the most intense, disgusting, uh, like, just sorry, sorry, one, Ooh. a really, really full-on death, really oh, death at the hands from, uh, ah. death at hands that come out from the ground. It was very, very shocking. Worse. And um, I know I've seen similar things in Warren Ellis books, but he's very, very good at shocking you. Mm. Without being like over the top, it was just like a, a genuinely disturbing image that he put forward. Yeah, that's really great. Ho- that was horrible. Uh, I read Young Blood issue two by Chad Bowers and Jim Toe. Uh, yes, the yeah, Rob I accidentally picked up issue one again. Yeah, I mean, don't pick up issue two to be honest. I, it's it's not that it's bad. It's just that I've never read any Young Blood before. Neither of you. And I'm going to put it out there this book's not for us. Yeah, I think that might be the case. But I'd be interested to hear from Young Blood fans as to um, how they're enjoying the series. Um, I think they are enjoying it quite a lot. That's good. Good yeah. to hear. Um, I read issue six of Cannibal, uh-huh. um, which is written by Brian Buccoletto with art by Jennifer Young and Matthias Bergara. Um, I've sort of lost the way a little bit with this comic just because I think it was a little bit, but it was a little while between issues. Um, or you just picked up this one like late. Who knows? <laughs> could could be anything. But the art's really good on this series um, and I do enjoy it. It's a sort of fairly horrifying, depressing, sad 
um, book about cannibals. <laughs> sort of, it's sort of like a midway between cannibalism and zombie virus. Um, but I am keen. I think it's the issue seven is probably going to be, if not the last, very close to the last issue. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. Those are our Image books, uh, our reviews for Image this week. So we're going to move on to Marvel. And I'll kick things off with uh, my favorite Marvel book for the week, Zombies Assemble, number two. By, Look, uh, it's very good. It's so silly and fun. Yusaka Komiyawa. I fucked that up so bad. Nailed it. Yusaku Komiyama. And uh, script by uh, Jim Zub. Uh, This is uh, like a a manga version of the Avengers in which uh, like a zombie virus breaks out at a party at Tony Stark's house and infects um, various Avengers. And there's all kinds of... uh, like blood and grisly killings and hilarious like manga re- re- revelations. Um, it's just real stupid and fun, and I I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, this is a really good. Um, I really enjoyed this. More manga versions of things, please. Yes, Thank please. You. What would you like a manga version of next? I would like a manga version of Young Teen Blood. Titans. Teen Blood. Oh, Teen Titans. Yeah, that's much better be than fun. Young Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Teen Titans is just close to the top of my head at all times. Yeah. Um, but this is something that I didn't think would be especially good, and I've really enjoyed. What about Manga Stray Bullets? Oh, yeah. I Man- read it then. Manga Kill or Be Killed. That could be good. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Zombies Assemble. If you are looking for something real fun and stupid from Marvel, by all means, get this instead of uh, all the other stupid books. <laughs> uh, all New Guardians of the Galaxy, issue three by Jerry Duggan, with fill-in art by Fraser Irving. I was lukewarm on the second issue after thoroughly enjoying the first one. And then this motherfucker goes and gives us an introspective look at Gamora and her life yeah. with art by Fraser Irving. I love this. Yeah, this was heaps good fun. I love Fraser Irving. Yeah, but like this is like this is like peak Fraser Irving. Yeah, really interesting colors. Like, sort of, he usually goes for quite sort of like harsh, like acid colors. And this was a much more muted kind of browns and Earthies sepia tones. And, yeah, and yeah. It was very, very interesting from him. I liked it a lot. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how this furthers the story much. Um, but, yeah, we, we see. But I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. Like, yeah, this is, this was so good. Mm. Um, yeah, but basically, like, yeah, Gamora is going to look like she's going to go on a quest of her own. And is she going to drag the Guardians with her? We don't Probably. know. Probably. Probably. Um, like yeah, it. great issue. Yeah, really it good. good fun. Uh, I really also loved the art by Christian Ward on the latest issue of Black Bolt, mm-hmm. number two, by Saladin Ahmed, who wrote this one. This is uh, Black Bolt, who has mis- been mistakenly sent to the prison that he meant to send Maximus the Mad to. And uh, he is being held captive here by some massive omnipresent being um, alongside some depowered versions of other Marvel villains, including the Absorbing Man. Everyone's favorite, the Absorbing Man. Um, who at one point in this issue admits to turning himself into a pile of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a really cool and strange book, right? It really is. It's a very interesting... Um, like it's, it's, it's one of those nice books that can kind of just exist outside of continuity. And that's really good fun and like very refreshing to read as a reader. It reminds me of, you know, The Vision or something like that. Like yeah. you can just pick it up and go... But sort I, of with, with a certain level yeah. of like in humans context, but I really like this, and I think it's very different and weird and fun. And from a long time Marvel reader perspective, like we're so used to seeing Black Bolt as like the all powerful king mm-hmm. of the Inhumans, who is so powerful he can't even say a word because mm. he'll destroy everything. And it's so cool seeing him in such a vulnerable position in this book. He's you know he can't use his powers. He doesn't know anything about where he is, and all the other inmates are testing him constantly. Mm. Um, I think this is a really really cool concept for a Black Bolt book. It really is, and they also make fun of his name, which is always good fun because his first name is. Black 
Black Agar Baltagon and uh-huh. just, just shorten it to Black Bolt. Makes so much sense, guys. <laughs> so that would mean your your superhero name would be Siobhan Agar Coombs gone. Oh no, that's your full name. Oh, that's oh, my yeah. full name. Sorry, my my name is Siobhan Coombs. My actual name is Siobhan Agar. I was going to say like I was going to like like try and like like your name would be like Shuku. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. X Men Gold issue number five by Mark Guggenheim with uh, great art on this one by RB Silver. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean Marvel constantly throw throw you a shit artist here and there, um, but uh, there was some there was some great art in the Marvel books this week. Yeah, totally. Um, what do you think about this book though? Oh, I just don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I wish I did. I want to, but like, just do something. I don't know. I I don't know what you can do at this point to write a good, fun X-Men book other than just ignore everything that's come before. Just wipe the slate clean and just go like, X-Men, we all understand the basic concept. It's a school. Let's go. Yeah. So the, um, the big reveal. Just, yeah. The okay. big reveal in this book is that not only are the Sentinels like looking like, you know, on, on targeting all like mutants, they're actually targeting all mutations. And that includes people with pattern baldness, blindness, Good lord! Um, yeah, so they're just just attacking everything. Boring stuff. Also, what's baffling to me is that we've also got astonishing X Men around the corner, and half of this team are on that team too. <laughs> so if, yeah, we're getting <laughs> more Old Man Logan, more Gambit, more Rogue. Oh, is it going to be like a sort of like anthology book? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Either way, I don't care. I really wanted them to make me care about X-Men again, but I think I'm just going to go home and reread um, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men run because <laughs> that's great. That is great. Um, you know, it wasn't great this week, and I've been singing his praises a little bit mm. uh, recently, but uh, Brian Michael Bendis's most recent issue, issue number nine of Jessica Jones, with art by Michael Gados and Matt Hollingsworth, uh, I thought this is a real, real bummer of an issue. Yeah, um, real stinker. Real stinker. And speaking of stinkers, he sure does love to show Jessica Jones taking a dump. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, he, seriously, there must be like like ten separate examples of full page spreads of Jessica Jones sitting on the toilet with her pants around her knees. Yeah, and I mean it's fun. Like everyone poops. It's all good. We understand that, Bendis. But like that's but like, it's not that. Like it's, it's become not her necessary. superpower. Yeah, and it's not necessary for like the story in any way. Yeah. Um, but uh, and yeah. Just the dialogue. The dialogue is like it's really peak Bendis, and it's really like I don't find it funny or engaging. I don't like they don't read like real conversations. Like, and I think that used to be sort of Bendis's. What thing. people liked yeah, about yeah. Bendis, like that he was sort of able to write casual conversations and it read, you know, snappy and bantery and like a bit real. And this just reads like really annoying people having a really annoying conversation and everyone hates them. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that fair? Yeah. I, 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 all, and you know, like, all the female characters have the same voice. Yeah. Which is something you pointed out a few weeks ago and it was very uh, evident in, in this issue with Sharon Carter and Jessica Jones having an argument. Um, and then Sharon Carter like puts Jessica Jones in jail for dissing her haircut. Like it's so stupid. Why? What does Bendis think of women? Like, and then what is this? What he is has this? he has Luke Cage and Jessica Jones kind of kiss and make up. Mm. Um, and it just feels un- undeserved. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, this is shit to me. Yeah, like pretty much Jessica is just this like extra whiny annoying character who's like, I know I did bad things, but why won't everyone just forgive me already? Also, or... Michael Gados doesn't know what water looks like. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a also, steamy like, they, shower cuddle scene. Are doing it? And no, like, doing her it. face in that one panel is so weird. So weird. It looks like a, um, uh, what's, the, what's the guy who always draws porn stars? Minara. 
No, no, no. Oh. Um, the guy for the, the, the oh land. Greg Land. Greg Land. <laughs> come face in, right in the middle of their, their sexy shower scene. Yeah, it's weird. No good. Um, I'm still gonna read it though. Cause <laughs> <I'm thinking. laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm still it. enjoying him from his Iron Man. So whatever. Yeah. Um, we're getting a new Bendis book next week in uh, that features Jessica Jones called Defenders. I look forward to reading that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, I take it you didn't read Rocket issue number no. two. It was markedly better than the first issue. Um, the zany space stuff was only half the book. And then we get uh, Rocket Raccoon in court with an alien version of Matt Murdock called Murd Blurdock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's like a weird, like, like iguana kind of dude. And then, he, like, so he's basically Rocket's attorney is um, his uh, Froget Froggy Frelson. <laughs> That's good. And he says, don't worry, you're not just getting me here. You're getting my partner, Murd Blurdock, <laughs> the best defense attorney in this or any other system. Um, and it's like he was struck by radioactive originium as a child and lost his echo senses forever. But he's still a great lawyer, supernaturally good, almost as if he can tell the expressions on a jury's faces through some sort of unknown visual sense. <laughs> but that's crazy talk. The only echomelian with that ability is the violent vigilante known as Seeing Being, the sentient without self-preservation. And he was Murd's secret twin brother all along. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's so great. And then it's like, so as long as Murd doesn't say walk out on the case seemingly at random, we can't possibly lose. And that, of course, that would never, uh, Murd, what's wrong? Murd? And then it has the lizard look over at this lizard dressed up as a lecturer with it holding up a sign saying, come fight ninjas. <laughs> Sorry for like completely just running through this. Panel, that is pretty funny. Though. Was, I was just like, okay, I'm on board. I'm gonna keep reading this book. That was very, very silly and fun. Looks like I just like silly books at Marvel right now. Yeah, um, more silliness in general. I knew Al Ewing would 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 turn this into a book that I like. I just mm. have no interest in like all the weird space things that 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 were fighting like that were stealing shit in this. I don't even know. What's I think I was on. ludicrously turned off by the image of a little raccoon in a suit <laughs> you were <laughs> i you really spoke hated out it. at length about it <laughs> last <laughs> it made me angry uh i read champions number nine for some reason oh, that's weird um what happened in it i don't even remember oh that's right they introduced a new character because cool. um umberto ramos uh came up with a new character okay. um so this is basically an entire issue where it's just viv vision um she goes to san diego maybe and then yep san diego and um, encounters a character who is called, um, she's a, me- a Mexican character called Red Locust, which has been created hmm. by Humberto Locust, um, from Ramos. Humberto fuck. Locust. Um, and uh, it's pretty cute. It's um, a, a pretty simple, simple little story. Mm. Um, and uh, it ties into the, the human traffickers from the first arc. Good. <laughs> I don't understand these extremely, like, like heavy issues dealt with in such a fun all ages manner that mm. Wade keeps doing it's, it's baffling to me it's anyway. very confusing um, I read I read The Unstoppable Wasp I'm for, like after being like I hate this character I've continued to read and really enjoy this arc um, the last two issues in particular have been really really good I think it's um, mostly because I really enjoy Elsa Charitier's art nailed it thank you um, but so Nadia Pym, the new wasp, who has brought together her team of like sassy teen female scientists to be part of her girl initiative. Um, And they have to rescue one of her friends from the Red Room, where she was part of the scientific um, place you'll recognize the Red Room from Black Widow's origin Mm -hmm. as well. Um, 
and one of her friends has a bomb implanted in her brain by the head of the science department and the the girl squad need to get it out and they come up with like a really genuinely inventive way to save her and it was really engaging to read and really compelling and I liked it a lot. Um, I think this is a good series and I'm I'm keen to keep reading it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Should I, like I should it. I jump back on board or? Uh, yeah, you could if you wanted to. Hmm. Well, it was good fun. I like that her her like unit of of girls is called like G I R L. What does it stand yeah. for? Um, I can't remember. Let us know. Like something like that. <laughs> make, make something up and let us know. Yeah. Um, Wasp is also featured prominently in the current uh, Avengers book, which is written by Mark Wade with Jeremy Whitley, who writes the Wasp book um, mm-hmm. for this this arc. Um, art by Phil Noto. Uh, issue eight is what we're going to talk about right now, um, and it's uh, a continued uh, kind of exploration of. Uh, the friendship between the new Wasp and uh, Doctor Doom, aka the infamous Iron Man. I really like this issue. Um, I it was a really good issue. Yeah, well, it looks fantastic. Phil Noto's art's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he should just do more superhero books. Yeah, I like him a lot more in this than I do have it on his uh, Star Wars stuff. Mm, agreed. Um, all the all the all the colorful costumes look so great with his art. Absolutely. Um, but this brought back. Remember those. Um, Avengers uh, point one issues that I was talking about mm-hmm. ages ago, like the it was uh, Mark Wade and someone old mm-hmm. Barry Kitson mm-hmm. uh, did ones basically telling the origin story of this character Avenger X. They bring her back in this one issue, and uh, she's kind of she seems to be disposed of by the end of this issue. So it's hilarious that they spent five point one issues introducing a character Who they then brought just back gets, for one issue. Yeah, but it was but, good. It was a really good fun. Like I didn't read those point one issues because they annoyed me for some reason, um, and I really really liked this issue as a, just a one and done fun little Avenger story. Totally. Was good. And normally one and done get the, uh, the final bit of text that says the end at the end. And you're like, Oh, that's nice. A bit of closure. Mm. It's the end. Great. Mm. Great. But instead we get next secret empire, Boo. which means we're about to have an exciting age of tie-ins mm. coming to, uh, all our Marvel beloved Marvel books very soon. So fun. No, but fun. Uh, daredevil this week, another Charles soul book, uh, Basically, this is Daredevil trying to bring a stop to all crime in New York once and for all as Matt Murdock, but he uh, also has assembled a crack team of uh, Luke Cage and Echo. Cool. Um, and this story was kind of boring. I don't think Charles Soul knows how to do a good Daredevil book yet. In fact, I wish he would like just, just pair it all back. Yeah. Maybe write one Marvel book, continue Letter 44, and do something else for someone else. Continue your law career. Um, <laughs> no, no, he's a great writer. I just he's stretching himself too thin now, and he's just doing a bunch. of I things think he is okay. still practicing law. I think oh, that's wow. part of the problem. <laughs> but the art on this by Goran Suzuka, it was fantastic. Mm. Very, very good stuff. That's my review. Oh, the that's end. nice. Um, I also read the Sorry, Amazing Spider-Man. Instead of saying the end, I meant to say Secret yes, Empire. Secret Empire. <laughs> um, I also read the Amazing Spider-Man issue twenty-eight, which um, by. Dan Slott with um, Stuart Immonen and inks by Wade uh, Von Grobadger. Uh, this sort of wraps up the current, like, uh, Norman Osborn in that foreign nation that Silver Sable's from. Right. Story arc. In a sort of annoying, like, I wish, I wish. I wish they would bring some fresh blood into the into the Spider-Man universe. I love Dan Slott, and I think he's done amazing work with the character. But it's just like this: his Peter Parker isn't really funny or fun anymore. He's lost like the gags don't hit. Um, I didn't really like this story. It sort of didn't feel very earned. The end um, confrontation between him and Osborn. That's obviously going to like. I think they're going to continue to bring back Norman Osborn as 
Green Goblin next. Um, but yeah, I just didn't. I didn't find this an exceptionally satisfying ending to that arc. Yeah. But Stuart Eminent is so flipping good, guys. Yeah. Worth I should, reading. I should be reading these just for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also read issue seven of Kelly Thompson and Leonardo Romero and Jordi Belair's Hawkeye, which is the Kate Bishop Hawkeye series. This has much more to do with Kate's um, past and her mum and her relationship with her father, which is like what we were sort of promised at the beginning of this arc was that Kate was coming to, um, where is she? L.A. to um, find her dad. And in the end of this issue, she finds him. And this was really, really good. I liked it a lot. I really like the art on this series. I think that they it continues to get better as time goes on. And I think Kelly Thompson has a really um, good understanding of this character. The sort of like irritating sassiness uh, is still there a little bit, but you can kind of see the way that Kate uses it as a defense mechanism. Like it's kind of becoming more of a, you know, a understandable I, I think part I of the character. I said that. When we reviewed the first issue and yeah. you said you hated it. And I was like, I don't know. I think she uses it as like a yeah. weapon. And then I got sick of this series and you're still reading yeah, it. Yeah. But I still, yeah, I like well, it. Well, there's some incredible interiors in there. The art's the fight so scenes are great. Yeah. The, art, the, the um, action scenes are just getting better and better. I really like the series. Cool. Those are our Marvel reviews for the week, which leaves us with the mysterious other publishers Woo. to end on. Um, I want to kick things off by reviewing issue four of Heathen. Um, I love this book so flippin' much, she's guys. She's so good. Uh, Natasha Alterici writes and draws and colors everything in this book. Um, and uh, it is the story of um, a woman who's been shunned from her community who decides to go and free a god mm-hmm. um, in order to stick it to the old ways of the world because mm-hmm. uh, this is a beautiful queer comic as well. Yep. Um, and uh, we're kind of being introduced to more fantastic characters throughout uh, these issues and... Um, each of the characters are proving themselves in different ways. And I, I, I think this is a great series. It looks beautiful. And uh, all the characters are, are really interesting. Yeah, I love this. It's such a good book. Um, there's so many, like, really well-realized female characters in it. Um, dealing And dealing with, like, issues that are relevant now in a way that isn't... It's just really well done using the context of, like, Norse mythology. Yeah. Which is, like, it's a tricky thing to do, and I think she really pulls it off exceptionally well. Yeah, so there's a a trade of Heathen um, coming out in July, um, uh, and then issue number five of this doesn't come out until August. Oh, man. That's okay. There's plenty of comics between then and now. I guess But this is a very, very exceptional one, and um, beautifully printed as well. I love the, the stock. It's a weird, weird little compliment. No, but, but it is. It's so important. Yeah. Like, I didn't say before, but that Jazz Maynard book, yes. so beautifully printed. Incredible. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Very, very good paper. Lovely. Um, I didn't read this. I'm so shit. I'm, dude, I think you would have hated this issue. Oh, and we're going to okay, talk about then. Red Line, um, issue number four from Oni Press, uh, written by Neil Holman, um, one of the Archer writers, art by Clayton McCormack and colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick, um, letters by Crank. Um, this is the story of uh, the like space army um, who get up to all kinds of mischief and fucking and, and rude stuff. Um, and the kind of leader has been told he has two months until he's being sent sent, sent back home. Um, but uh, you know how you were complaining about how like all of the um, all of the female characters in this book are like um, either like uh, here to fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they they're there just to have sex with other characters, or they're like hookers. Mm. One of the hookers has been killed. Oh, and good. like awfully, and uh, then th- this is now kind of like the added mysteries of who who done it, 
and I think it is building the story in an interesting way, but I just don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like. Don't mm. stop killing hookers. It's lame. Yeah, come on, guys. That's no good. Another thing, another point that Secret Six has in its favor is it has some of the most sensitive, humane. Um, versions of sex workers in any comic book, which is astonishing in a mainstream DC comic. That's what happens when you have no editors. Exactly. Less editors, turns (laughs) out. That's all you need. Um, Although I don't think this book has an editor. Yeah. Um, It does. It has two editors. That's why why the hook has died. Two editors. There's editors. Editors hate sex workers. Um, Stained, issue two of five. This is from 451 Comics, written by David Barron and uh, Yusuf Idris with Simon Boland. Um, I wish I saw the um, our boy, uh, what's his name, Ramon Villalobos did a variant for this, but I, I can't see it. Oh, man. I like that guy a lot. But I, I, so I, I picked this up thinking that this was published by the same guys that did uh, Jazz Maynard. Oh. Because it looks European, right? Yeah. But instead, it's like a gritty, um, like assassin comic. Yeah. Um, it's And it's okay, but it's whatever. I don't even know where I included this in the episode. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, did you miss out on issue two? So that's what I thought I was picking up. Ah, there you go. Issue I might, two. I'll take this home with me tonight. Yeah. See, see, sometimes Levens misses things too. It's not just me. One time, Siobhan. One time. I missed like six <laughs> things this week. Um, but Ab Irato, second issue of that came out this week. I'm not going to say too much about it because Levens wants to read it, but very, very good. I like this book a lot. Good Euro comics. Another one through Lion Press. What's this about a guy <laughs> recently immigrated? I just remember that scene really, really well. He comes to a new town and he's yeah. hiding from from like the, the authorities. And I picked up Stain expecting to see more of that. And I was like, oh no, that's right. This is a girl who's part robot. Mm. This is ex- very different to that Yeah, comic. Anyway. I agree that one. Um, last thing that I read, I also um, was the last issue of Sherlock the Blind Banker. So just finishing up that arc. This hasn't been like the best, just because I think it's not the best of... Yeah, that Sherlock. So this is the this, this is episode. the like manga version of um, the Sherlock Holmes TV series starring Benedict Cumberbatch. So I, I still quite enjoyed this. It's not the best episode, so I think that the next yeah, the is, next story arc is going to be better. This is the episode that it's like those mysterious Orientals. Yeah, like. it's a little bit it's a little bit racist. <laughs> it is. It's not. It's, and it's, it's very like throwback British racist. Yeah, too. totally. Um, yeah. Um, I, the a next classic races. The next you. episode is the is the one that ha- re- like ends in that ridiculous shootout between Sherlock and his uh, and and Mycroft. No, not Mycroft. The Moriarty. Moriarty. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I want and that was so dumb in the, in the episode. So mm. I'm wondering if if it'll be better in manga form. So I'll be back on board. Nice. Cool. Those are our reviews of the week of all the regular issues. Do we want to talk about this manga quickly, or should we save it for when we haven't gone almost two hours? Oh, let's save it for next time. But did you like it? I love this book, Descending this manga. Stories. Descending Stories, um, which is all about Rakugo, a dying yep. um, form of Japanese theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, really love the challenge of trying to read at least one manga a month for the podcast because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning that I quite enjoy it. There you go. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll do a review of that and also um, Cena Grace's uh, new graphic novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, um, either next week or a week that has less comics than this one. Nice. Um, so that leaves us to uh, talk about the comics coming out next week. Mm-hmm. And boy almighty, there are a lot of them again. So uh, yeah. sorry to sending stories. <laughs> It'll happen soon. Uh, but uh, we've got next week, we've got uh, the DC and uh, Looney Tunes crossovers kick off. So we've got Legion of Superheroes Bugs Bunny special number one and Martian Manhunter Marvin the Martian special number one. Sounds better than I think it probably will be. Do you know what I'm most surprised about that we're getting next week? It's Betty and Veronica issue three. By uh, Adam, by Adam Hughes. Hughes. Shocking. How, how many months between the last one has it's it been? It's been at least 12 months. 
I think six months. It was 12 months I ago we feel... just started the podcast. <laughs> um, we also get from DC um, the first uh, book from the Dark Days event they're doing, The oh, Forge, yeah. number one. And speaking of events, we get issue four of um, Secret Empire from Marvel. Uh, we also get uh, another Marvel number one. Oh, we get Secret Empire United number one. And we get a uh, number one of The Vision. We've brought it up twice in this episode. Mm. But uh, Marvel are re-releasing Tom King and Gabrielle Walters and Jody Belair's uh, book The Vision with a director's cut in which they release three issues per issue. And the first one of that comes out. Apparently, there's added stuff to it. Cool. I'm going to read it, I think. Mm. I mean, I just want to reread that book anyway, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, we also get a Bitch Planet triple feature, number yeah, one. Yeah, I'm excited about Is that. Is that with new creators? I think it might be like a bit of an anthology. <coughs> cool. Sounds good. I think good. it will be. Um, um, sorry, that's like the uh, the Marvel book I was trying to remember is the first issue of the aforementioned Defenders. Right. And from Image, we get uh, a new one. Kill the Minotaur? Is yeah. that one? Yeah, we, yeah I'm really got, keen to We got a black and white preview of that, which I have not read yet. Mm, me neither. I never got around to it, but the um, colors look great. Yeah, and we get uh, new issues of lots of our favorite books, including God Shaper, Grass Kings, um, Generation X, Bug the Avengers of Forager, Black Cloud, all kinds of good stuff coming out next week, everybody. So we will see you then. Can't wait. If you want to find us online, you can. And if you want to give us money online, you can definitely do that. We have a Patreon, everybody. It's patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Nice. And uh, if you would like to pledge a couple bucks to us, you can get all kinds of cool prizes and bonus material from us. And it means we're going to record a whole bunch of extra shit in the next month or two. Uh, we're going to send our first mailing list out very, very soon. And uh, we'll be giving some uh, some patrons some rewards quite soon as well. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, you can find us online, facebook.com slash podcast, or join our group and talk comics about us with about sorry, talk about comics with us <laughs> and a thousand other people. We finally cracked the a thousand mark That's in that crazy. group, which is insane. I love how many people don't listen to the podcast in the group. It's very funny. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast if you want to join us there. Of course we're on Twitter too at serious underscore underscore issues or individually at Siobhan CBG on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Levdog L E V D A W G. <sighs> Is that everything? I think that's about it. Series issues at kingscomics.com. Yep. If and, you want to uh, email me. If you want to take out the first part of that email address, baby, you've got a website there. Go on, you go visit kingscomics.com. Check out the new design. Maybe buy a thing or two, too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much to Kings for uh, allowing us to record the podcast every week. And we will see you next week. Can't wait. Adios. Bye. Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 